Um, all right, so we have a ton of stuff. Yeah. So we should probably uh, get going unless you have... Big money, no whammies. <laughs> come on, come on, come on, come on. No whammies, no whammies, no whammies, no whammies. Stop! All right, let's let's uh, let's get this show on the road. We got like 700 questions to get through. On the road, but not on the road. Yeah. Get a typewriter out. And let's get this show stream. on the road. Let's do stream of consciousness. Yeah. Here we go. Where are the drugs? Uh, okay. So, uh, quick, quick intro, kids, gang, ladies and fellas. Uh, <laughs> ladies and gems. That's right. Uh, episode 120. 120. Uh, 300 more and we can relax. Huh? You get it? You get it? Yeah, I get it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Four, four twenty. Yeah, four twenty. Just, just got it. Yeah. Uh, this is this is <laughs> this is on taking pictures. Uh, I'm Jeffrey Sidoris from Fit and Blurred, and and with me, uh, 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 what was I supposed to call you? The the f- fancy scaredy cat of wasps, uh, oh God, Bill yeah. Wadman. Th- yeah, wasps are scary. Well, aren't, aren't they particularly yeah, if you're a creepy? Year old girl? Or no, aren't they like particularly <laughs> evil looking wasps uh, and hornets? Like they're just these. It's like inch and a half long, slow flying thing that looks like a fighter jet. Yeah, they look like they mean business. Yeah, they're not. They're not there to to to. They're to, not pollinating nothing. Yeah, they're they're not <laughs> flittering from from hither to yon. They're, yeah, they're there to do some damage. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, they're yeah. they're totally the A ten yeah. tank killer of the insect yeah, yeah, world. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah, yeah. I was a wuss about it. All right. So, uh, any, any things you want to you want to talk about before we get to the questions? Can I just say? Can I just give a, one little shout out? Shout to, out! Shout shout uh, shout away. Uh, John Keatley, uh, who's definitely one of my favorite photographers, uh, directed a, a new video for Ryan Lewis and Macklemore called Arrows, and it's terrific. So go watch it. Uh, maybe we can put a link in, in the show notes. I'm sure it'll be easy to find because I guess Macklemore is pretty huge. Uh, but it, it's, it's really cool, uh, and, and, and I love the look of it. So congratulations, John. Can, can, I, uh, can I just ask, what do people do with videos? You just put them online and people find them? Is that what the kids do? You know what I mean? Because without MTV, I guess is what I'm saying. I, I, I don't know. I, I, guess, I guess so. I mean, that's a good question. Without without the sort of record company promotion vehicle behind it, yeah, is that well? I mean, obviously, people are paying for it, or maybe even the record company's paying for it. But I guess it goes up on Vivo, which is you know part of YouTube or whatever, and then and then and then what? Like, just they assume that people are going to send it around. I guess. I'm just saying that the the video thing. I mean, even with the Weird Al and all all those videos that he did recently, yeah. um, I, just, I think that, that YouTube has become so ubiquitous that if it's up there, people will find it. Yeah, I guess I, I f- that kind of stuff makes me feel old because I don't yeah. I don't just go to YouTube and like look for stuff. You know, <laughs> apparently yeah. young kids, what they do is they watch YouTube. And I know there's probably some 18 year old listening to us going, yeah, of course. Like, what else would you do? I it just it just kind of blows my mind. You know? Uh, I know. I know that they also listen like a lot of records are are put out, you know, you can find full albums on on YouTube. On YouTube, right? They just like stick a video uh, uh still up there or whatever. Yeah, like the album art or or, you know, uh, just, whatever. It's just a whole a whole new world. It's a, um yeah. so we asked today's Q&A show. 
Uh, today and is we got about 630 questions. <laughs> well, that's the thing. So I put out a call for questions, and four billion people. Yeah. So uh, we may not get through all of them. No, screw that. We're getting through all of them. <laughs> okay. Did I make you spit, spit take your coffee? Oh, I was. Yeah, I was. I was taking a drink. Okay. Um, so buckle up. I guess it's going to be a four hour. It's it's like a telethon. This is the on taking pictures telethon. Jerry Lewis will be on later. Yeah, I'm going to be Jerry like with my tie undone. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> exhausted. Like you, like you've just came off. You've you've just come off a club tour. No, there, there, there were times when he would go off stage and like take a cat nap for an hour while somebody else like handled it. Right? Sure. Because you'd have to. Yeah. Um, ha- yeah. Yeah. I mean, those things were hours long. It was 24 you know? hours long, I think. Right? Yeah. I mean, uh, I, it, it, you know, touch up the black in his hair. I think it's. I, I think know. it was. I mean. You know, that's the kind of thing they don't really do anymore. Telethons? Well, a telethon like that where it's sort of all in, you know? Yeah. Seems like, like only when there's a huge disaster. Yeah. Like, I mean, after it wasn't was it 9-11 that the, that the weird one where it was on TV and everyone was all the famous people and uh, that, that was on like a stark gray background. I guess it probably was 9-11. Yeah. It was like one of those things or Katrina. Anyway, it was just, it's just, oh, maybe it was Katrina. It's just fascinating to me that that's kind of this thing that they pull out. Yeah. Kind of All a right. lost thing. Are you ready to do this or you you need to <laughs> pump up a little I, bit? Well, you need to eat your banana? No, I've got, a, I've got an energy bar right here just in case. You have your adult uh, diapers on? I do. I do. Well, okay. duh. <laughs> I'm awake. Yeah. <laughs> hey, what do you wear when you sleep? Same thing. Okay. Uh, <laughs> He's like colors. my nighttime. Yeah, they're di- different colors. Yeah, <laughs> I like to I like to mix it up a little. Yeah, it's good stuff. Um, all right, you ready to jump in? Uh, yes. Okay, number one, Dave Lawrence, favorite photographer of all time, favorite film stock, favorite project you've worked on. Ooh, go ahead. Oh, I go. Oh, Jesus, favorite photographer uh, of all time, Richard Avedon. Okay, I could go there. I I could see that. Yep. Uh, favorite film stock, uh, Ilford HP5. Uh, uh, now, would that be project? all time, even if you could go back and use film stocks that never existed? Or, yes. you know, that used to exist? Yes. Okay. I love HP5. It's okay. punchy. It's, it, it's got really great grain structure. Uh, it, it, it strikes every sort of itch that I have when it comes to black and white film. <laughs> okay. We want to scratch uh, your itch. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> There's a cream. Uh, favorite project I've worked on. Uh, okay. Okay. So I, I used to work for this special effects company and, uh, this was 15 years ago, 20 years ago, something like that. Anyway, uh, the, the, the president of Venezuela's wife decided that they needed an aerospace museum. (laughs) Okay. And, and (laughs) as one does. Yeah. As, as one would do. And, uh, the, the place that I worked at got the contract to do it. And so we had to build, we built a full scale, uh, space shuttle nose with a motion control platform in it. Uh, we built a full scale LEM out of aluminum. <laughs> uh, we built a, a one fifth scale shuttle that hung from the ceiling. So, the, and it was just fascinating all the research that was done leading up to it. And, and, uh, uh, Buzz Aldrin, was was friends with with the owner so uh buzz was actually at the place and i i met him and got to see him on several occasions because he would come and check the progress of things and kind of oversee things 
Um, so that was kind of cool. That was a really cool project actually. That is, that does have a cool project. Yeah. Um, you favorite photographer of all time. I guess if I had to choose one right now, I'd probably say Karsh. Okay. Um, favorite film stock. Definitely Polaroid 55. Uh, see, that's a, yeah, that's, I've never used it, so I don't know, but it, from the photos that I've seen of it, it looks amazing. It is amazing. It's, it's a little weird if you're, if you're scanning the negative because it, it's a, it's a peel apart film for four by five. They made a version for smaller cameras. What the hell was the version like seven, five, six, five, five, something like that. Anyway, it was for people who don't know, it was a, a instant 30, uh, four by five black and white film. That was a peel apart, like the old school kind. And the ni- the neat thing about it was that you got a uh, an actual plastic negative and a positive out of the film. So the important part was the negative because it was massively detailed stuff. Like it was like super, super uh, high high def, as it were. Um, but that the the negative and the positive were actually different film speeds. You had to the positive was about ISO fifty, but the negative was about to stop slower at like ISO twenty five. So if you wanted the negative correctly exposed, the positive would be overexposed. Mm. If that makes sense, um, it was really neat stuff. I actually have a handful of slices left, which I really should use because they're going bad as we speak. But uh, definitely that favorite project I've ever worked on. Um, this one. No, um, <laughs> the one I'm going to do tomorrow. Yeah, <laughs> um, I don't know. Probably 365 portraits, just because that sort of started my whole thing. But um, yeah, I guess that's fair. Uh, okay, tough one. Tough one to 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 beat from a personal level. Um, uh, next okay. question, Mike Sakasagawa. Uh, what is the function of the audience in the context of art? Ooh, good one. They have none. Yeah. <laughs> To buy the T-shirt. Yeah. Now get out. <laughs> <laughs> buy my book. You know, it is tricky, though, because you, obviously the audience does have some sort of part to play. And obviously uh, all of what the audience brings to the work of art changes how they interpret the work of art and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But at the same time, doesn't the work of art exist even without the audience or the audience, the audience is, is, is replaceable where the artist or the art is not. Yes. I think the art or the, the, the audience provides a movable context. It, they, they, they are, they Isn't are the a blogging platform. Huh? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they are, they are the, the, the conversation and the meaning that happens around the art, right? And that changes. Yeah, yeah. The, the way I look at at uh, uh, Mark Rothko is going to be different from the way that someone else looks at Mark Rothko. But but the fact that we've both looked at Mark Rothko's work means that we have a shared experience. We have a common experience that binds us together. True, but does the audience? Okay, they can interpret or misinterpret or change their interpretation of a work of art, but none of those things changes the art. The art is sort True. of like this yeah. platonic thing that just sits there, right. and how you see it from different angles or whatever it is, that's entirely up to you and whoever the viewer is and the conversations you and I have about Rothko or whatever, but it doesn't so maybe, change yeah. the Rothko. Right, so maybe maybe it provides context, value, um, it's tough. 
Yeah. I, th- I, th- I think there's been a few dissertations written on such a subject. Yeah. I, I would go one better. Is, is an audience necessary to art? Well, you know, somebody put up a question which comes down later about, I think it's in here, about whether it's it, nowadays with so many people looking at so much stuff online, what's the point of putting your stuff online? Because who the hell is going to come see it? Right. You know what I mean? That kind of thing. Like if you're mm-hmm. not trying to sell it, you're just putting it up. Why, why are we just putting it up just to put it up if 16 people are seeing it, you know, your friends for, on Facebook or whatever? Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I think the audience is a necessary component. That's That's sort of, you know, it's it's the final step, right? It's, it's putting, putting your, your, your work out into the world for observation, discussion, critique. Yeah. That's the final step. Yeah. I don't know if we're ever going to get answer that one. Yeah. Uh, so let's go with buy the book, buy the t-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> Support the podcast. That's right. Pay uh, my rent. <laughs> Ben McCarthy, uh, is time management just bad when it comes to being overproductive, uh, just as bad as when it comes to being overproductive as it is for being underproductive? Am I being nuts or should I make the, uh, should I make the most productive, make the most, (laughs) make the most of this productive streak while it lasts? So basically it's like if, if you're on a roll can you actually be too busy? Can you work too much? Is that kind of what he's asking? And and is there actually a, a, a case to be made for slowing yourself down if you're in that sort of artistic manic state or not? I think there is. Yes. Um, I, I was listening to uh, a, a terrific interview with, with Neil Peart from Rush. Yeah. And he said that one of the mistakes that, that young drummers make is they get very excited when they're playing well and they do a fill and they speed up and then they realize that they've, they've sped up and they slow down. Yeah. And, and then they get excited about the fill and they speed. And, and there is something to be said for the, for the, the, the temperament of a seasoned drummer. And I, and I think you can, you can make the, the parallel to what, what Ben is asking here. If, if you, if you, if you go all in and you, and you, you know, sort of lose all the steam while you think you're being creative, there's a risk, uh, I think, of, of collapse or, or, or of a vacuum when you're not feeling creative hmm. I, or when you're not productive. Uh, I'm going to, I'm going to disagree with you in, yeah, in, my, in my personal experience. I, when I feel like that, it's like, it's like a horse is running by. I grab the reins and I'm going to ride it as long as it'll take me. Cause otherwise mm-hmm. walking takes a lot longer. Right. You know? Right. Uh, and it, you're right though, that sometimes at the end of it, there's a period of uh, nothingness, you know, you're or, just, or just, you're just spent. Right. But the question is whether that would be that if you forcefully slowed yourself down and lost the momentum, if, if it would be gone anyway, so you might mm-hmm. as well use it while you got it. I don't know. Um, there was a, you were saying something about Neil Pert. Something mm-hmm. popped into my head and I lost my train of thought. I, I should have written it down. Um, but I, oh, that's what it was. I remember seeing uh, this guy, Jeffrey Gaines play uh, years ago. And uh, he had a band. He usually plays just him and a guitar. Um, and he's great. He's fantastic. If you ever get to go see him, you should go see him. But um, he, he, he had a band that day and it was the drummer guy who the studio guy who played in the Love Shack video, a uh, black guy kind of okay. afro. B-52s? Yeah. 
And he's like this studio guy whose name I can never remember, but he's this monster player. And he was playing behind Jeffrey Gaines in these songs that I'd heard a number of times. And uh, the hmm. problem with do like going to school for music and that kind of thing is that you, it's very difficult for me to turn it off. Right. Like I'm, I'm, I'm analyzing things. I'm pulling things apart. I'm thinking about the snare sound. Like it's sometimes it's hard for me to not whatever it is. Anyway, I'm, I'm listening to the band and the, the, I've noticed the drummer is playing these phrases instead of just like, you know, boom, you know, most drummers like play in one measure or they play a couple measures or four measures. You know, it's like where there's an arc over four measures where, you know, it speeds up slightly and slows down. Like there's a breathing to the, to the playing his phrases were over 16 bars, you know? And I was, I was just thinking to myself, that's how I would love to get, I'd love to get to that point in any art that I make where my breaths are over 16 bars. Does that make any sense to you? Instead of being so close together. Yeah. Where it's like, I'm not, you're not thinking about this measure. You're thinking about this longer thought that Hmm. is, that is 30 seconds long musically. And, and it's sort of, you know, it's, um, when you're, when you're, uh, first doing, uh, driving, you're learning how to drive yep. and, and they're just like, don't look out right in front of the car. Look, you know, a hundred feet down the road. Like right, that's right. where you should be looking, not like in front of the bumper. Yeah. Look, uh, look where you want to go. Don't look where you are. Yeah. Um, so anyway, it's, it's so in, in some ways, uh, I, I don't know. I, 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 I liked if I get that thing, it comes so rarely that I want to ride it for all it's worth. But that's okay. but that's my thing. You may be right, which is why I have the downsides. But I'm also terrified of of squandering the energy while I have it. You know why do I why would I actively slow myself down when it's so hard to get going? You right. Know? I don't know. That's uh, just just something to think about. Uh, next one uh, is oh that's uh let's see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's go to the next uh, one. Osger Augut. Is that Og- Ogut? Yes. Osger? Yep. Okay. Uh, hope, sorry for butchering your name if, if we did. Uh, does the heavy focus and deliberation put on purpose, meaning, and inspiration eventually end up distracting you from undertaking an activity that you inherently enjoy? Yes. Ooh, good one. <laughs> good one. Yeah. Okay. I, Moving I, on. I, next one. <laughs> I think so. Um, I mean, all, all the talk that you and I have about... Oh, we got to make something that matters. You got to do this. You got to, you know, put all your authenticity, this, that, and the other thing. Like, aren't all of those things, don't those all come after the making? Shouldn't the making be sort of this flow moment, pure sort of thing where it just, it happens. And then you look back and you go, oh, that was really good because I was in the right mindset. And I was, you know, and, and oh, it reminds me of this thing of somebody in my family or whatever it is. But that uh, trying to do that is, is, is. Is I don't know. I, I tend to think things through first. I tend to think of what I want to say and how, but I will say, I, I think that we have gotten, and then maybe this is another bigger conversation, but I think we've gotten uh, too addicted to narrative and storytelling and things have to have a story. And it's, I'm working on this narrative arc and blah, blah, blah. It's like, well, just make a good picture. What happened to just making a good picture? The, the market changed. Yeah. I mean, I, I agree with you, but unfortunately, you know, you people, know, it doesn't have to be part of a series. Right. It doesn't have to be part of some larger project. Just make a good picture. No, it can't End just be a story. picture. It has to be a picture and a story of the person and this yeah. and that, you know. Yeah. 
Um, Do you think that that's a matter of the of the, the, the 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 country, the world, the the viewing publics? It's it's a, an, an attention thing. Where it's like, I, think there's, I don't there's just want a picture. I don't just want music. I want a music video. I need to I th- watch and listen and do this all at the same time. Maybe. I, I think it speaks to our need for context, our need for some sort of something greater to hold on to. Hmm. I think, uh, though, if you pulled the context out of what many of us think are classic photos and have, and that, we, that we've given some meaning to, you know, like... um. That Dean Arbus picture of the manic kid holding the fake hand grenade. Right. It's like, it was just a goofy kid in the park holding a hand grenade. Yeah. But, but people, you know, oh, have, it's oh, a it's, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it's, it's so it's, I, I wonder sometimes if the, the need for having a, a strong story underneath everything actually uh, takes away from what could be an opportunity for interpretation. Mm hmm. I, I will I will grant you this on on Osgur's question about you know I, I love the process of of painting as we've talked about and I do get bogged down by well what am I trying to say with this what what's 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 the <laughs> what's the message here if anything yeah well I think in your your kind of painting that has is more is probably more a problem than others. Well, yeah, I mean, just it, your your style because because a you're, lot of it is assembly. Yes, right? yeah, yeah. Be, you're basically making collage, in which case the the elements of your collage have to have some sort of mean. Don't have to, but like the idea is that they have some sort of connection with each other and right, are telling some right. sort of larger story. Um, yeah, I don't know. So, so yes, I guess is is the it can happen. Yeah, sure. Yeah. And I think you know, I I think that that's. I think that's one of the places that you and I differ. You like to think a lot before you start. I yep. tend to find that when I think a lot before I start, I fizzle. And it only hmm. really works when I just throw myself into it. When you just kind of jump. Yeah. Okay. So, I don't know. That that could just be a, a temperament thing, I guess. I, you know, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Um, next one. All right. David Gardner. David. Uh, are you haunted by a missed shot? And by that, I mean, do you see shots that you missed due to lack of camera at the time or not being quick enough, et cetera? And days or even months later, still dwelling on what might or could have been. Good question. Are you, you ever ha- haunted by a, something that you like you didn't? Because you you're, you've 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 spoken several times about you you don't carry a camera all the time. That you carry a camera when you have to carry a camera. Yep. Has that ever backfired? Um. Yeah. I mean, I mean, there's things that I see that I'm like, oh, I wish I had a good camera on me right now. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, every once in a while. But it also Generally, they're the kind of thing where I wish I had the camera on me and it was in my hands and it was up to my eye right now. The the 10 okay. seconds that it would take to get my camera out and turn it on and flip it up and get it in focus and get the exposure right. Well, that guy's right. gone. Okay. Um, so there are there are times during shoots of mine where I feel, you know, there's times when I feel like I missed something that was really great, you know, over the course of. 45 minutes or an hour shooting somebody there's a half a moment of a glimpse where autofocus didn't quite work or the camera didn't fire for some reason, but it was like a half a second little thing on somebody's face, you know, um, you miss those. Uh, I'm not haunted by them months later, but in the moment I think, God damn it, my freaking camera, you know, right, 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 right. There's those things, but I guess that's part of, 
relying on, you know, if you're shorting, if you're shooting shorter depth of field, you're kind of relying more on autofocus, you know? Mm-hmm. And I have a, I have a, I have a, uh, do, do you shoot autofocus even when you're shooting really shallow, like one four? Yeah, because I can't yeah. focus. I mean, if it's on a tripod and I could use live view and then zoom in, I guess, but I can't, you can't see that kind of detail in a view in an optical, even in an optical viewfinder, mm-hmm. um, that, you know, that thin of a thing you just have, you have to trust the camera. And I know that for example, my 85 one, two front focuses, you know, back focuses a little, so I have to focus and then I just kind of lean back a, a titch, like an eighth of an inch. You know what I mean? Right. I just sort of pull it back and I take the picture and that generally works. Um, it's, you know, it's a weird thing. I have, I have a, I have a little physical tick with, with, uh, focusing mm-hmm. where I'll focus on somebody's eyes. I'll recompose, I'll take the picture. And even though I've focused on them and I could just hold it down or switch to manual focus and just keep taking the picture, I don't, I, I, with my right hand, I flip the, the lens out of focus again and recompose. Hmm. It's like, it's sort of like this little, um, sort of like cocking the gun somehow. Right, right, right. And it's probably a bad habit because it can at times stop me from being in focus and ready for the next shot. Sure. But it's, there's sort of a deliberate sort of, okay, pull it out of focus. All right, get focus and then take the picture, pull out of focus, get the picture. It almost, it takes the place of cocking the shutter, mm-hmm. you know? Uh, for me, so even, yeah, even that could 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 allow you or or be the cause of missing a shot because yeah, you're be. you're slightly out of focus when an right. expression or a, a a wink or a nod or whatever it is happens. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but you know, maybe, but it also could be that doing that gets me in some sort of weird mental state that makes it makes me take better pictures. So you know, mm-hmm. or I I don't know. Um, so so yeah. I mean, have you ever like not missed a shot like that? Uh mostly because i don't have my camera with me yeah yeah i, mean, I, I, I find I, the I, iphone frustrating you know. in that way where it, like you pull it out you want to take the picture and it's not focusing quite with oh shoot the picture's gone yeah you know the thing moves or the person walked by or you know yeah it's part of the reason why i don't where i don't find taking pictures with the iphone on the street unless it's some static thing satisfying because it's because people are generally moving so much that it's not a good moving thing camera I, I would like to, and I'm, I'm sure there's an app out there for this, but I would love to to have an app where I can, if I'm someplace where I go, oh, I got I got to come back here with my camera, yeah, that I can sort of store the GPS. Oh, there are, yeah, and make a little note. They're sort of, of uh, uh, they're like, um, um, what's it called? Um, not casting. What's the word I'm looking for? Like location scouting. Location type scouting. Of thing? Yeah, there's location scouting apps that yeah, you can just basically put a pin down. Yeah, that's what yep. I want to do yep. because I, I forget where oh, where did I see that whatever it was that yeah. dumpster or something I don't know huh okay <laughs> wait dumpster really you <laughs> wait hold on a second you take pictures of dumpsters <laughs> I love dumpsters yeah uh, let's see Millie two part question I guess we have here uh, what's your okay, favorite thing Millie setting yeah yeah how about you leave some candy for the other kids yeah over uh, <laughs> what's your favorite thing setting up the shot or taking the shot. Wait, is it? Well, see, I'm not. I'm not really a photographer. Yeah, so, but you take pictures. Uh, I I like the scouting process. I like the wandering around and the sketch images. I tend to like that more than than the final images. I like working through it more. Yeah. See, I like taking the shot more. I like the experience of taking the picture and then 
after taking the picture, working on the pictures. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I guess, yeah. Uh, see to me, like, let's, let's say you and I were Crudson, right? Just for, just, just for a second. Um, you're going to grow your hair out a little bit. Uh, It's growing, baby. It's growing. Um, if you did all the pre-production, oh, I got this location. I know we're going to do it next Tuesday. Finding the places, working it out. I would be Crudson in this in this thing, and and you would be the guy pressing the shutter. <laughs> I would be the end hold, and and then you. Yeah, be like, but no, but see, here's the thing: is that like Crudson? I think he likes the being there in that moment, doing the picture. Absolutely. I don't know that he likes the. I, I feel like that's the cool part: the pre-production of like the uh, making of the set. Yeah, let's. Yeah, exactly. Let's find Maybe. the right person. Let's do this. Let's, oh, uh, next Tuesday, we got to worry about, oh, is the weather going to be right? We also got to call that guy about having the flowers right. put in along right. this. Be- like, uh, un- uninteresting to me. He's, he seems to be better on set, like move that lamp, move the phone. Yeah. Let me change the lighting here. Yeah. And I guess I guess the question to Millie is, is that setting up the shot or is that taking the shot? Is that like being it there, taking the shot? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I. Yeah, you know, I've I've known producers who, you know, they love making sure the assistants are there on time and figuring out the catering and like what camera do you need? It's like you actually enjoy doing this. This is crazy to me. Like this is not fun. So um, you don't you don't like no, I don't want to say the you logistical like, stuff. Yeah, setting up lights, bring, bringing in the backgrounds, all that kind of stuff. You're you're I'm, no, you're, I'm fine with setting up the lights and stuff, but making sure the lights are there on the day of the shoot. Okay, that's no fun. Dealing yeah. with some company and making sure that, oh, has the deposit been paid so the insurance cards get over to ugh. I guess we gotta we have to define yeah what is setting up the shot. Although is it, I mean is it but but if you, you know. if you put it down to just doing straight portraits, I'd much rather you know I like the all of the setting up is so that I can sit there with the person for half an hour and take their picture. Right. And that's right, what right. I get off on. So, you know, it's sort of what like what's the foreplay without the sex, you know? I have no response to that. <laughs> Millie, second question. Uh, do you think that unrealistic dreamers like David Dushman uh, makes Jeffrey Sidoris and others like myself all depressed about the lack of production in their art and the absence of self-realization as an artist? So do the people who are successful and are what you want, are what you want to be, does that make you sad that you aren't what they are? Okay. First of all, I don't, I, I'd, I'd want to have a conversation about what she means by unrealistic dreamers, because I don't think he's unrealistic at all. I think, I think he, he is uh, a fantastic uh, uh, example of, of a realistic dreamer who has, he has dreamed and he has realized his dreams. Okay. Um, does it make me all depressed? No, my, no, I don't think it, makes me depressed uh and and i self-realization as an artist i don't i don't ever really want to categorize myself as an artist i don't i don't like that particular okay, but you make name. art the question is whether you're no, satisfied no, i don't are you, are you satisfied with with uh, with your output no right. that i'm not satisfied do you think david is uh to use her I, example I th- I th- I think anyone who makes things goes through periods where they are inherently dissatisfied with with either the quality or the quantity of what they make. Yeah. Um, it's a cyclical. It's the cyclical nature of making things. Yeah, 
you know, and no matter whether you're a filmmaker and you don't make a film for 10 years and then you come back with this, you know, opus or you're, you know, a musician or you're a photographer, writer, whatever. Um, I, I tend to look at people like David as, uh, and using David specifically as fuel. I, I love what they have to say. And some people think it's a lot of fluff and some people think it's a lot of, of, of this sort of pie in the sky, you know, whatever. Right. I don't, I tend to look at that and it, and I do aspire to be more than I am. I do aspire to be better than I am. I do aspire to be more creative than I am. And, and the people that are living that life serve as a benchmark of sorts that it's at least possible, if not probable. Yeah. It's, it's interesting. The, the, I think that there's, there's people for whom external stimulation or inspiration is required or, Mm -hmm. or is what works for them. Um, and then others for whom it has to come from inside or else it's not going to work. Um, uh, you know, I don't, so I, yeah, I mean, I, 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 when I look at not David, for example, but when I look at other people that I not aspire to be like, but are doing work that I would love to be doing, um, it makes me more depressed than it does make me feel inspired. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. So I guess there's two. Do you feel more pressure at. because they're doing it and you're not? Is that is that part of the equation? Uh, yeah. Or or you know all the usual. What am I doing wrong? What could I do differently? Right. You know right. all those kinds of questions. For which if there's not some immediate answer or the immediate answer is really trite, then you know if it's you need to make friends with fancy people too. And it's like, well, that's, you know, right. Is that really the answer? Cause you know, that's sad. Um, so it, it's, or, or, you know, you get stuck in these, you know, depressive cycles where nothing's ever good enough. And why should I even bother? And I've been doing this for X amount of time and I'm not super famous. And this guy's been doing it for 36 minutes and he's on tonight show. You know, there's all those, but that's, but that's the case with everything. Right. Um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, you apparently it makes Millie depressed. You know. Uh, okay. Yeah, don't be depressed, Millie. Or do if that's what you know if that's the fuel you need to get out of it. Yeah, I get depressed. I get depressed all the time. Yeah. Hopefully, it's not beyond digging myself out. Uh, depression's a, a a tough thing. Yeah. As as, we as, reminded as we last have, night. Yeah, as we have seen in the last day. Um, you want to take this next name? Frank. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I'll take the next one. <laughs> uh, let's see. N E U. So if it's like Neutra, would it be Neulichettel? Neulichettel? Frank, I'm so sorry for butchering your name. Uh, send us a voicemail and, and pronounce it so we don't butcher it next time. Uh, anyway, Frank, good question. Uh, many photographers hang to their copyright like the music industry once did. When do you both think it will be like for singers slash bands that it's about the live performance, all other expressions of the music are just promotion for the gig or are we, are we already there and some photographers are just oblivious? I'm not sure I understand this what, question. What would be the performance in that case? Yeah, I'm not sure I understand this. I guess 
is he saying okay let's let's well because uh who's uh what's the guy that i don't like who does the hdr stuff who lives in new zealand trey radcliffe okay i'm i'm sure he's a very nice guy i just i'm not a i just don't like that kind of photography um he doesn't he put all his stuff out as creative commons or something and I think his, a lot of it. Sure. His, his argument is that for a project. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So his argument is that by putting this out in creative commons, more people know about me and therefore more people will hire me for work. Is that kind of what it is? I, I don't know his reasoning. Yeah. But then again, he makes a lot of his money by doing workshops and books. And he's got workshops, videos, right. apps. So yeah. what is somebody supposed to do who actually wants to do photography for a living? You can't just give away your work all day long or else you're in trouble. Um, I, yeah, I guess I would want to have a conversation about what is what is the live performance in the analogy here? Yeah, what, I, what's the live performance of the photographer? Is right. it is it the paying gig? Yeah. Should, should I let people use pictures I've taken of, you know, well-known people for magazines for free because then they'll likely hire me to take pictures of other people? Or do you, do you put out like your your composites? Do you put those out as desktop wallpapers or something? Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't. I don't know. I, I'm. I'm kind of. There's nothing stopping about, somebody from grabbing it off of my blog and sticking it as their wallpaper, is there? No. I mean, I think there are like two thousand pixel versions up there. I mean, they're not going to print bigger than eight by ten, and you know, it's not going to be signed or anything like that. Um, I yeah, Frank. I know what you're saying. I just whenever I hear Radcliffe talk about it, I still don't. I still don't understand exactly what the business model is, other than teaching other photographers how to give away their work. Like that, that just, you know what I mean? Like, I don't, right. I don't know what the end game is there. Um, I'm not sure. Maybe it's all just uh, self-promotion for the things that are paying. Maybe, maybe the, the giving away of, of, of all of the, that stream of, of content of, of work is, is self-promotion to, as you, as you kind of said earlier, to, to make it known that he does workshops and has an app and, you know, yeah. does all these, I don't know. You know, it's, it's a problem. Like uh, the past few weeks I've been doing these picture portraits in the corner. I've had friends and stuff come over and have their picture taken and, and I'm doing a few more this week, but there, there, even in that there is a, there is a problem, which is, okay, well, if everyone knows that they can just wait till Bill's in the mood to take lots of portraits, then they can get free portraits. You see what I'm saying? Like that there's, you know, somebody who really wants to get their portrait taken by me. Well, I'll just wait till Bill says he needs people, <laughs> you know, right. and, and I'll go over and have the portrait. So the way I've worked it out is like, look, you can, you can use these pictures on Facebook or whatever it is. But if you want to use them as your commercial headshot or whatever, we work out a, a some sort of a deal. But but there but. The idea—it's a so very that's kind of that's kind of the same thing, though. I mean, you're you're yeah. you're at least allowing some sort of usage uh, and or exposure and or yeah. self promotion. In I that guess respect. so. But I mean, that's assuming that you know they're going to like them and they're going to buy them, and that's that's the gig. I mean, I don't think that that's just, it's fine for what I'm doing right now, which is just sort of experimenting and playing with this little thing in the corner and having some fun. And then, you know, if they really want to use them, they pay for them. But that's not a sustainable business model all day long, you know. So it's it's no. a so and and that's where the problem be, you know comes. So mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know if we have a good answer for this. I guess the question is uh, question for the group. I guess for the listeners. Uh, you know what what is the live performance in that example? Yeah, I, I'm still a little confused about what would the live performance be. Yeah, uh, podcast and not taking pictures dot com. So let us know what you think.
Yeah. Uh, Derek Wes. Do you no, ever wonder? Yeah, two parter. Uh, do you ever wonder just how influential this podcast has been on listeners and their photography? Every day. Yeah. Every you, day. We don't. Every, every every time we do this show, I. I wonder who hears it. I I I feel like I'm I'm you know saying it to myself. I'm doing this show. It's just it's it's you and I doing this and I and I wonder if it does mean anything and have any effect. I mean, I get emails about it, you know, we we get yeah. emails every week about about it and people thanking us and saying really nice, very uh, yeah. uh intimate things. Yeah. And the 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 email responses go well beyond Hey, love the show. Right, right. And, and those types of emails, again, are a type of fuel for me. Those type of emails are not wasted. They are not unnoticed. They are not unappreciated. Um, but yeah, of course, I go through wondering, you know, you, everybody goes, I think, through these what does it all mean phases. It's, I just uh, tend to go through them more than other people. It, I, I think that... It's podcasting is a weird thing because it's you and I sitting here talking and there could be five people listening or there could be 5,000 people or there could be 50,000 people listening. And it doesn't change anything of what happens with you and I right now and logic running. Right. Uh, nor, nor is there any real accurate way to know how many people are listening. True. Yeah. There, there, that, this is the one strange thing about podcasting is there just are no accurate measures right. of who's listening and how much. And they'll tell you, well, it's based on downloads. Well, that's fine. I've got a bunch of download, downloaded podcasts on my phone that I still haven't listened to. Right, but right, somebody's right. counting those as a listen. Right. Yeah. But I haven't heard what you have to say. So yeah. there, there's a, there is no accurate measure. So, yeah, there's a, there's a, there's a technical wondering of, of how influential it is. But... It's more of uh, an emotional or, or aesthetic wondering. But when of, you and I started doing this show, I mean, sure, yeah, you know, oh, we'd love to be successful and love to, you know. But I don't think we were doing – I mean, we're doing the show to share this with people, but I don't think that's why we do the show. It's not why you do I the mean, show. I mean, I think you and I would – you and I have these conversations anyway – Sure. So we might as well record them and share them with people. And if other people find them useful, that's fantastic. I but, I but realize that our, Radio Lab wouldn't be a bad thing. No, sure, but like, but Radio Lab is 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 on the other end of the spectrum from scripted to not. Sure, sure, sure. You know, uh, Radio Lab are, are audio essays that have been worked on for months. Yeah. Where yeah. you and I are having a stream of consciousness thing and recording a show twice because yeah. you changed the way you felt about the first one an hour later. You Radio know. Lab is is the Godfather, and you and I are Honey Boo Boo. Well, I I think that what it is. No, I mean even within the photography podcast space, I mean there are there are a lot of great shows out there. There's a lot of great gear shows. There's a lot of great technique shows. There's a lot of great interview shows. You know, like a uh, Candid Frame or, or your new show. You know what I mean? Yep. Yeah. But and I know that the conversations that we have here, some people find tedious. Tedious. Sure. There's a good word. We've gotten um, that. Sure. And it's not for everybody. And I understand that. I also understand that, you know, that we are, we're, we're speaking to a, a, a small slice of the photography audience, Yep. but I think it's an underdeveloped slice of that audience in the sense that I think that there are a lot of people who, who want to have these discussions. I want to hear other people have them. And yep, so I, I don't, I don't really worry about it that much. Uh, let's see. 
Second part of Derek's question. Uh, an EMP wipes out all electronics. What film camera do you pick up? Nikon F2. Yeah. Is there a meter in the F2? There is. There is, but, uh, you, you know, you don't, it'll still work. Yeah. Without it. Uh, like M4. Ooh, no, maybe not. <laughs> Either that or a Hossi 500. Mm, Hasselblad. Uh, oh, God, really? Question from Alan Bailward. Come on. All right, okay, so this one we Wait just answered. Uh, uh, what mural should I get on the side of my van? Jeffrey's Jeffrey's gonna send you a picture of himself. (laughs) Just tell the guy to tell the painter to do a good job. It's gonna be this big like Frazetta thing, you know. I used to I used to um, be really into um, baseball cards when I was younger. Uh, My father and I used to buy. We had millions of baseball cards. We used to buy cases of rack packs and you know that kind of stuff back in the eighties. And. and I have a handful of sets left, like a 1975 mini tops mini set, which is actually worth like a thousand bucks, uh, sitting in my closet, whatever. Anyway, there was a guy who was, who was sort of in the world of baseball cards back in the day, whose name I cannot remember, but he used to drive of like a, a van with, with the gambler painted on the side. Nice. And there was a point at which he was selling the gambler van and a friend of mine, Brian Koo, who actually is somewhat known because do you, did you watch the King of Kong? Yes. Okay. The, the, the slightly annoying guy who was running around saying he's about to get to the kill screen. He's about to get to the kill screen. That's my friend from middle school, Brian Koo. Okay. Uh, I haven't talked to him since middle school, high school. Um, in fact, I tried to get a hold of him. Couldn't, couldn't find him anyway. Uh, but he almost bought the gambler van nice. at one point. The gambler van. Yeah. The gambler van. Nice. Anyway, uh, <laughs> Alan Bellward, one more before we do a little ad yeah. for Squarespace. Uh, okay. So we just, desert did, Island camera. Did we just answer that? Uh, well, no, that's an EMP. This okay. one, you can have, you can have a battery in this one. <laughs> okay. So des- desert Island camera. Are you going to charge the battery wise ass? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Bailward. Way to think it through, Alan. Uh, desert Island camera lens and lighting modifier. So yep. you don't get a flash, but you do get a lighting modifier. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Can't have it all. Um, do you want me to answer this one? Yes. Yeah. You, you did the last one. Oh, uh, I would probably take my five D 28 one eight. Ooh, but I'm on a desert, which means I probably want weather sealing. 3514 and uh, lighting modifier, either a five in one reflector. You know what I really like though, I, which I really couldn't live without are the soft lighters. They're great. Okay. I mean, they don't, they don't hold up. They're not like the most sturdy thing in the world, but they're pretty cheap. So yep. you just replace them when you need to replace them, but you get a shoot through umbrella, a shoot into a bounce umbrella. Um, and then you can put the cover thing on and you, you end up with like a soft box, uh, and then you could always take the top off and instead of a shoot through umbrella, it can be, you can hold it up over the top of somebody as a reflector or yep. a, not a reflector or a diffuser diffuser. Yep. Uh, so it's, I mean, you basically get four in one it's, you know, bang for the buck, bang for the weight, bang for the ounce. Uh, the soft lighters are like the best. Um, but that's just my personal opinion. You have thoughts on the matter? Um, desert Island camera. I don't know. Uh, it, 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 the the as yet unreleased X Pro Two with a better sensor, faster focus, and, <laughs> and a, 
better viewfinder. Yeah. Uh, uh, my my dream camera, the camera that's going to come out next year, that's awesome. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, probably a, a if I'm on a crop, then a 35 yeah. or so. So you just want like a normal lens, 50. Yeah, and then a, a five and one reflector. All right, five and one reflector. If you don't, if you're a photographer and you don't own a five and one reflector, that's your next purchase. Yeah, go go they're, get one. They're, they're, they're terrific. I mean, even I can use one of those. Yeah, I'm a knucklehead. They are. Uh, by far the most useful thing you can possibly buy. Um, all right. So, uh, sponsor today, Squarespace, the show sponsored by who, um, Squarespace. They're, they're a website. Uh, what do they do? Well, you can, you can build your own website on their system. No kidding. Yeah. They're, they're, they're an all in one platform that makes it fast and easy to create your own professional, not, not junky, Jeffrey, <laughs> not junky. That's somebody else. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but if you want a professional website, portfolio, or online store, just go to Squarespace, right? Uh, for a free trial and 10% off, go to squarespace.com and use the offer code PICTURES. Pictures. Uh, uh, yeah, and you, you could, you know, give it give it a shot uh, for two weeks. If you like it, you know, use the use the code PICTURES and you'll get 10% off. Uh, look, I, I use Squarespace for new, my site. Like. Which one do you like? Pacific. I don't know you that seen I've seen one? Pacific. Pacific's go. nice. Okay. Send me a link. Wait, go find it and send me a link. Uh, simple and easy, uh, beautiful designs like Pacific. Apparently, uh, it's a drag and drop content. So, like, oh, I need to bring this audio file or this image in. Just pick it up, drag it, and drop it off. You know what I mean? It is actually pretty impressive the drag and drop stuff. Could you imagine coding that? Ugh. Um, no. twenty four. Yeah, everything is all block based. It's yeah. like, I like that. Twenty four uh, seven support through live chat and email. Uh, located in New York City, Dublin, and now Portland, Oregon. Uh, plans start at just $8 a month, include a free domain name. If you sign up for a year, all of their designs are responsive. So you go down to your phone, they still look good. You're not going to, you're not going to load the, the, the desktop website in your phone and keep zooming in and out. Uh, you get this nice, clean, responsive design. Uh, all of this, every site comes with an online store, which is pretty cool. Their e-commerce is great. Uh, works perfectly. Uh, connects over into uh swipe. Yep. For, for, for payments. For uh, payments. Yeah. 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 So you can start a trial with no credit card required. Start building your website today. Uh, when you decide to sign up for Squarespace, make sure to use the offer code pictures, get 10% off your first purchase and show your support for on taking pictures. And uh, we thank Squarespace very much for the support of the show. Squarespace, a better web starts with your website. Uh, yeah. I've been, I've been using, I used, um, you know the stuff in the blogs where you use you, you uh, program something to uh, to to launch at a certain date. You know you uh, yep. what's the word? Like schedule a. Yep. Yeah. I was I was playing with that the other day. It worked perfect. They, well, of course they, it does. They it's man technology. Remember when this stuff was hard? Yeah. <laughs> like really hard. Yeah. Like there, there there was no yeah there was no drag. The only thing that was drag and drop was dragging your cursor to the position of the of, of the uh, the little carrot and then starting to type. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, realizing that you forgot a comma somewhere, so the whole thing uh, went to crap and didn't work. There's nothing worse than trying to find some really meticulously small error. Like oh, if, it's ridiculous. Oh like shoot, you, I forgot to close that bracket in a yeah, thing that's or you like used nested a single stuff. quote instead of a double quote. You're like yeah. 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 yeah, you don't have to do that with Squarespace. No. Uh, let's go. Uh, we're, we're like one third of the way through, so we're, we're making let's good. Let's go. Uh, David Gardner, Apple Wadman. Uh, let's see if you could if you could choose to shoot any living person's portrait, who would it be? 
And Jeffrey, if you could interview any living person, who would it be? And I need reasons, guys. Ooh, okay, go ahead. You you go first. <sighs> Can we pause the show and let me think about that for a minute? Wow, that's you know I have I you know the funny thing is that I actually keep a wish list. Yep. Uh, so of, who's at the top? Well, the problem is the wish list is not listed that way. All right. Um, it's 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 more of just you know I just keep this running list and the crazy thing is is that people have have uh, died since I created the list. So okay, let's go. Can we can we modify David's question to go th- three or do you have to? You want to go one one? <sighs> you've got one frame of you've got <laughs> you've got one exposure one frame. That's it. Who's it going to be? The one sheet of Polaroid fifty five. Yeah, 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 you've got one sheet of fifty five left. Um. You know, I don't know that he would be a great subject, but I would love to meet Bill Bryson. You know, the author who wrote At Home and Short History of Nearly Everything. If you haven't read those books, they're fantastic. At Home is like the history of houses. And he goes like Hmm. all the way back of like why rooms are called what they're called. And, you know, like and he does it all based upon his house. He's like, my house is from 1852. And like, you know, it was designed in this way. It it sounds really boring, but it's actually fantastic. Any portrait. That's the one you're going to go with. Well, you know what? Here's the thing. There are a lot of really famous people that I would love to shoot. Um, You know, like I'd love to take Barack Obama's picture. But, you know, I don't want... You have 10 seconds to take my picture here. I'm sitting down. I'm leaving in five seconds. All right, go. Cause okay, that's, well, let, let's, that's let's, a let's different ex- thing. Let's assume that David says you've got an unlimited amount of time. God, but it's man. not just a, you know, take away their, their, their position and you don't just have five minutes. Um, you know, it's sad because, uh, Neil Armstrong already died. Mm-hmm. He definitely would have been my list. Uh, See, the problem is I've shot a number of people that I've actually really wanted to shoot. I don't know if I have a good answer for that. I may have to cut, but you know what? Let, let me come back to this answer later in the show. If I Let, let me have a, a back of my brain. Is there somebody you, on your list for interviewing? You need a, you need a beat? <laughs> I do. Drop a beat. <laughs> All right, here we go. <laughs> uh, who's, who's, do you have somebody on your list? Any interview. Yeah. Any interview. Okay. See, here's a, I, I, I could, there are a lot of people I could say, but like, I would love to talk to Sting. I think Sting would be really interesting, but I think it would be very difficult to get past Sting to Gordon Sumner. Okay. You know? Yeah. Like, Cause he's got his thing. Um, I think if you've been somebody for 40 years, are you, are you then them? Well, yeah. Is but Tom I mean, Cruise I, it, still a maple yeah, yeah, yeah. whatever? Yeah, no, I mean, I, I, I just think that there's, there's, a, there's a shell that, that would be maybe difficult to get through. Maybe not, I don't know, but he seems wildly interesting. Um, of course, Neil Peart from Rush, but uh, Strombo did an interview with him and, and did one of the best interviews that, that, that I could, I mean, he asked every question that I would have asked. Right. So maybe I wouldn't want to interview somebody, but rather the, the somebody that interviews somebody's. So maybe you want to interview Charlie Rose? No, no, no. I, maybe either Gian Gomeshi or, okay. or, uh, George Strombolopoulos. Yeah. Yeah. I think they would be fascinating just because of the, the sort of litany of people that they've already yeah. spoken to and you could pick their brains about 
about yeah. those people. Well, that's even the thing with the um, with the person I'd want to shoot. It would be somebody I'd want to have a conversation with. You know, I'd right. love to sit down with McCartney or Graham Nash or you know one of those guys too. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, uh, but if you had them in the right mood at the right time in the right place, you know, uh, it could be really special. Yeah, um, Man, I think I think. Gosh, there's so many people. I think William Gibson would be interesting. I think uh, uh, Michio Kaku would be interesting. Yeah, I wonder if you could get Michio Kaku to not be media Michio Kaku in the same way that I wonder if you could ever get Neil deGrasse Tyson not to be right. You know, talking about spaghettification. You know, like no, yeah. talk to me like a normal person. Right. Right. I, mean, right. I understand everything you're saying, but let's have a conversation of you, not you, as media guy. Right. There's you know. the, your publicist has taken away, you know, taken off for the weekend. Let's yeah. just, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I don't know. Well, I, I think, you know what? Let's think about that when I get back to David. Cause that's, right. uh, that's a good I, one. I'm going to go with, with George Strombolopoulos. Okay. Yeah. Strombo. You could probably make uh, that happen. Lance Harshberger. Uh, can photographers reach their full artistic potential while still holding day jobs or is photography an art that demands full dedication? Uh, I, I guess that the question is define full artistic potential. Um, I think that, I think that people can, artists and photographers specifically can reach their personal goals while being an amateur and having a day job. I mean, there's plenty of well-known photographers who, you know, were, there's, a, there's plenty of guys who go out and do landscape photography six weeks a year during their vacations, they like go sit in, you know, death Valley and Yosemite or whatever, um, who probably feel very fulfilled by their photography. And, and you would call those people amateurs. Well, in the sense that they are not doing it for a living. Yeah. I'm not saying amateur in a, in a, a skill way, but I mean, if you're, but if you have, a, if, if I'm an engineer full time and you know, on my vacations, I go and take pictures on the coast. Cause that's what I like doing. I wouldn't say you're a professional photographer. I'm not that's not a, it's not a value judgment on on the skill. It's just a how else would you define it? You know. Um is photography an art that demands full dedication? I mean, I have a lot of time on my hands, but I'm not taking pictures 8 hours a day. Right? You know. So am, am I squandering the time maybe? I don't know. You know, I don't know. I I would say yes. Although then there's, you know, then there's the, 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 the interview with Avedon that, uh, you know, that, uh, what's his name who I just mentioned did Charlie Rose, Charlie Rose, where Avedon's like, you know, I wouldn't have even had a family because, you know, I can't do both really well. Right. <laughs> it's like, so I think it depends on the person. Yeah. I think it does depend on the person. I, I think it depends on their temperament, but there's also the question of whether that person thinks that they've reached full artist, artistic potential, whatever the hell that means. Mm hmm. Uh, that, that's an illusion too, right? What does that even mean? As if, as if there's some sort of vessel that needs to get filled and that vessel exists before the person starts, you know what I mean? And does anybody ever reach it? Did, did, did McCartney think that he reached his full artistic potential after the white album? You know, like, I I don't know. Yeah. What does that mean? Yeah. I don't, God, if I know, um, but, but is there, could there be a sense that if you're working for the man, for lack of a better word, and just doing it on the side that, that you, that it's unsatisfying to you somehow. Cause you don't have that freedom, but in many ways you, but then again, you, you have also more don't freedom. Have, yeah. You don't have the pressure. Yeah. Yeah. 
I mean, there are art photographers who just do it for them, and there's people who are independently wealthy, like Carter Bresson, you know. So there's, there's, I don't, I, I think the question, the problem with the question is that I don't know that the question is, it, you're setting kind of setting up a straw man, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I don't know that there is such a thing as full artistic potential. I think you do what you do. I think you get better at it. I think you go off on tangents. I think you come back. I think that there are, there are beats in your career or in your output that are special. And I think we then collect those and that's your portfolio, you know, right. And your portfolio improves over time as you iterate on it. I think that it's, it's, you know, it's, it's the whole, uh, it's the journey, not the destination thing. Right. Right. And I, and I don't think there is, uh, I don't think there's anything wrong with doing one thing and, you know, having, having your, your art or your craft as something else. I don't think that, that just because you do it eight hours a day versus, you know, an hour a night that there's a, there's a value judgment there that one is better than the other. No, no, I, I completely agree. Uh, in fact, I mean, all the, I mean, if we take the professional thing to mean that this is what I do to make a living, then in some ways you have much more freedom as an amateur in the sense that you're not beholden by the fact that you may have to do stuff you don't want to do in order to make a living. Sure. You know, there's, things that I shoot that I wouldn't choose to shoot, but they pay. So I'll shoot them, you know? Um, so I, you know, it all depends on, on what your definition is, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And if you happen to like your day job and you also like photography, well then, then great. You know, I think yeah. it's a great hobby as well as being, I don't think that all the people who listen to this show or all the people who are out there buying cameras and doing photography who have these dreams of being a professional photographer. I mean, if you really want that life, sure, go for it. But I don't think it's a requirement to be a great photographer or a requirement to. Right. But if you're really dissatisfied by all kinds of things in your life and this is like your one panacea, well, then there's other questions to be asked. But sure, sure. That are that are beyond the scope. They're bigger of, than of, photography. Yeah. Yeah. Know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, photography may be the answer, you know, but pff, who knows, you know? Yep. Um. You want to read the next one or did you you. read that one? Okay. Andrew Godden. Claude Monet spent most of his life on the one subject of his garden. Do you think photographers should focus on one subject specialization or be more all rounders? I sit in the do both camp. Well, can you do both? Sure Uh, you can. Well, so there's one thing that you like doing, but you also do other stuff on the side. Well, the, the, the photographer should focus on one subject. I mean, look, Rankin shoots more than Heidi Klum. Right. Well, yeah, yeah, but Rankin doesn't shoot landscapes. Uh, well, not that he shows anyway. Right. Uh, and I, I, I guess that's the mm, – I think that um, – I think that in the professional world nowadays – uh, it's much more difficult to be an all around. It's funny because, you know, you see people like the Chase Jarvis's of the world who are just who say, you know, clients want you to do everything. You should shoot video and shoot images and take back behind the scenes thing and shoot the, you know, that that what they want you to be is an all around artist person. Right. Uh, but at the same time, I've found that if people don't know that you do something very specific and that's what they want and they know to go to you to get it, that 
that if they look at your portfolio and every single picture is completely different and there's no cohesiveness to it that they wonder they don't know what they're they can't guarantee what they're going to get from you and therefore you're a risk and therefore they're less likely to choose you um so there's there's i guess there's pull both ways right is what i'm saying yeah but that uh, that's 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 what you show and i i think i i would interpret the question as not do you think photographers should focus on one subject or be more all-rounders I think that that photographers should shoot everything. What, whether or not you choose to show it, fine. But I think you can learn a number of aesthetic techniques or compositional techniques sure. from shooting multiple types of subjects. Just, just like, uh, yeah, sure. You, you know, and and I do think a lot of the the industry wants you to do it all. I mean, go try and get a job as a front end web developer. Good right. luck. Yeah, you're going to be expected to know PHP and and be able to to do all the backside coding as well, you know. And I think to a certain degree, photography is no different in that, you know, there's an expectation that if you shoot this, then you shoot this as well. Well, I think there's an expectation that you know if somebody's going to hire me, they know that I know how to light and I can do the post production on the images. And like, I feel like I'm in my example, I am an all arounder in the sense that. I can do portrait soup to nuts and I can do conceptual and I can do traditional, you know, more conservative portraiture and I can do. So for me, that's how I define being an all arounder, but it's still, you're still relegated to portrait. Yeah. You're you're not shooting landscapes or fashion. And and I have shot landscapes, fashion and street stuff. I mean, I I've taken those pictures before. I personally just don't enjoy doing it much. Um, well, that's the other thing is that I think that there's a very different temperament to a lot of different photographies, mm-hmm. you know, and, and for certain people, it, it's, it's about the preparation and it's about the, you know, the foreplay and it's about the sitting there and waiting for the weather to be just right. Like the landscape guys like that. And, oh, it wasn't right today. So I'll come back tomorrow. Like that, that sounds like purgatory to me, but for mm-hmm. people who are landscape people, like that's, that's where it's at. That's why they do it. So they can sit there and watch the weather change. And you know what I mean? Like, so, right, right. so uh, I think that there's, yeah, you know, being all around her, I mean, you know, and try to try everything out, but don't feel like you have to do everything because I mean, I, I guess I, I agree with you in the sense that sure, go try different stuff, but I don't agree with you in the sense that if you don't enjoy doing it, then I mean, ultimately, you know, I'm not going to waste time doing something I don't like doing. Um, God forbid. Well, I'm just saying in a larger sense, like, you know, I've tried all these things and it's like, eh, you know, yeah. not for me. Yeah. Just like lots of things. Uh, automatic cars. Eh, not for me. I like stick. <laughs> okay. Um, uh, Mitch, Mitch, Mitch Sevier, uh, in regards to your setting goals as a portrait photographer, would setting a goal of shooting certain personalities be good it's measurable true but certain per, certain personality types or personalities like i want to shoot this person this person i think this he's person. saying kind of like my list okay okay your, uh, your bucket list of yeah. of i want this person this okay. the problem with that is that it that's more of a logistical question to me and and i do you know i try to shoot one or two of these people a year you know if i can um like I was just out in Seattle and, and there's an author named Greg bear who sci-fi author, very well known who I, I loved his book. So I got a hold of him and we went and took his picture and hung out with him for a while. Um, that was very cool. 
and yes, I can check that off my list and you know, that's a satisfying thing, I guess. I guess the problem with that is that it's more a matter of, you know, can I find somebody who knows this person to introduce me to him or, you know, that kind of thing. Cause, uh, or, or logistical things. Like I've been going back and forth with Ann Curry for a year and a half. Right. You know, and we're trying to find a date to do it and it's, you know, we, we book something and then some war happens around the world and she's got to go fly somewhere, you know, um, it would all, it could all be solved if you would just go to like Darfur or, you know, or, or Sudan know. or something. If I just went to Gaza, like I'd be all set. Um, serious. So yeah, I guess so. But that also, that doesn't mean that I'm taking better portraits. It just means that I'm, they're just more recognizable. Yeah. Or yeah. Okay, great. I'm taking these things. It's sort of like going around and saying, I want to be a better landscape photographer. So I'm going to go take pictures of all the top landscape photography spots. It's like, well, yeah, you could collect those, but it doesn't mean you're actually taking good pictures there. Mm -hmm. Um, so I don't know. Yeah. I don't know for, for me there. I have a little bit of this because I feel like you need some sort of measure and it's fun to meet people who you admire. Right. But I don't know that that fills this, the, the goal thing for me. I don't know. You, how, I mean, how well, would that work for you? There are people that I would love to talk to. Right. But that, would that feel like you were becoming a better interviewer though? Uh, I, I think, yeah, I, I do think that I think because that, if that, they're going to say yes, it's because your work is good enough for them to say yes. Maybe. Or, okay. or there's the other side where I have to, to kind of step up my game. And in, in the case of somebody like Michio Kaku, I, I would really have to focus yeah, and I would have to do a lot of research so that into string theory and time yeah, travel. That's, that's right. <laughs> uh, you know, just, just to sort of keep up, Yeah, you know, and I, and I, I like that part of it. I like doing research on people and, and learning about them and then, and then hopefully uh, having a conversation that, that doesn't go the way of a press tour. Uh, yeah. And I think that that's the problem. I mean, and that's the problem with a lot of famous people too, mm -hmm. that I've noticed, especially like politicians and stuff. Um, they will have their pose, their thing their you know, it's like, what you get is what I give you kid. Sure. Sure. You know, there's a lot of that. Um, so in, in many ways, I, I, you know, I, I, yeah, I don't know. Uh, for me, it's, it's, it's fun, but that's not the goal. You know, uh, that's like a personal goal, but it's not a artistic goal. Mm -hmm. Sure. Yeah, sure. Uh, Michael Meinhart, Alex. Soth oh, we're going to we're going to put the audio question here. Hey, guys, that's a question for both of you. I saw a documentary with Alex Soth, a photographer I admire a lot, doing a road trip in America. He happened upon a scene that he loved immediately. It was a room with a bed and some shelves. But instead of taking a picture, he started rearranging the furniture in the room and cleaning it up. Then he took the picture. I was aware, of course, that Alex stages some of his photographs, particularly those with people in them. And you can see that those are staged. In this case, however, you can see it. And I was pretty shocked to see Alec doing it. I'd love to hear your take on rearranging original scenes and what you would do in a situation like the one I described. Thanks, and keep up the good work. Basically, he saw an interview with Alex Soth, right? Or a, a video of Alex Soth, who came into a room, wanted to shoot it, and then started rearranging stuff. Before he shot it, yeah. Yeah. Question is, you know, is, is, how does that make you feel about his work? Like, should, be, should, you, should, should, should that be part of the process? Uh, I think it, in that case, it depends on how it's presented. Yeah. Is it, is it disclosed 
or is it explained or are we meant to think that this was just happened upon? Well, isn't there the classic Walker Evans, those cabin photos where, you know, he put the wash basin on the thing and right, hung up, right. the you know, what's uh, what's the other guy that um, no, it's not South uh, that went like Kentucky and the Appalachian regions. What was it? What's his name? Oh, the guy, our, our guy, uh, the, the, uh, ah, the three, three word guy. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever his name is. Shelby. Shelby Lynn Adams. Got it. Is that it? Yeah, I think so. Okay. Uh, Shelby Lee Adams. Shelby Lee Adams. Okay. Uh, I, I don't know. I mean, it, it, I think it depends on, is it, is it presented as photojournalism yeah. or, or is it presented just as, as an environmental portrait? Yeah. And even if, even if it's presented as environmental portrait, I'm let's say I'm going and taking pictures of you. I'm bringing light in there. I'm saying, Oh, why don't you try leaning on your shoulder over there and put your hand in your pocket? Like I'm, it's very rare when somebody is completely themselves. And even if they are completely themselves with air quotes, um, it's probably because they are acting, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like where they're mm-hmm. they're they, you know, they've watched project runway and they know how to, you know what I'm saying? Like they're, they're people who generally people who are easy to take pictures of are putting on a show naturally. Well, so, and, and would you say that they're there, that, that some sort of direction is kind of inherent to the process that, that you're not just going to walk in and go hold. And, yeah, of course. And shoot. So okay. in that question is is Alec is so wrong in moving the television over to this side of the room. Maybe this is a canvas of which he's drawing his stuff, but I guess the question then becomes is he th- is he portraying his work as if it's documentary? Mhm. Right. And that's that's kind of what I was at at the beginning Which is he how- kind of does, doesn't he? I mean, it, it, it there is a very sort of uh, authentic vein to his work. Right. I don't know. Should there, should there be a uh, disclaimer at the bottom? The objects in this room have been moved for photographic yeah. purposes. <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't, I mean, I don't, I don't see anything wrong with moving. Now, if you're talking about taking things out and moving different objects in, so it feels more authentic. Yeah. That I would have a problem with. But moving the stuff that's already in the space you're all right with? Uh, I think I am, yeah. Interesting. I don't know. I mean, it, it, again, it depends on how it's portrayed. Is it, because it's, it's, still, it's still their stuff, but maybe, maybe you're trying to move things for, for compositional purposes or, you know, to your point about if you're bringing in light, you know, I need to put a light here to make this work. So I need to move this table or need to move this chair or, or, or whatever it is. Yeah. Is, is that valid? Is that okay? Is it still authentic? Is it still, um, journalistic? Yeah. I don't know. I really don't know. What do you think, Michael? Yeah. Yeah, let us know. And and this is this is one for the group as well. This is uh, yeah. podcast at ontakingpictures.com. Let us know. An, I don't know. This is an interesting one. Yeah. I mean, I tend to think, oh, the guy should do what he wants to do to get the picture. You know? Again, I think it's 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 how it how it's portrayed. He's he's you know? he's not shooting for the AP. Right. 
Yeah, you're not moving cannonballs. Right, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah you know? Uh, <laughs> that's a great story, right? Yeah. It, it needed it's actually to look a great better. title, too. Yeah. Uh, okay. Uh, we good on that? So, yeah, yeah uh, sure. write in. Let us know what you think about that. Uh, Adrian Hernandez. Uh, Bill. Oh, God. Oh, really? boy. Here we oh, go. Oh, Jesus. All right. <laughs> let me get comfortable. Uh, Ad Bill Wadman uh, would like to hear more stories about the subjects you photograph on assignments. Oh. <laughs> All right. On today's six-hour edition of On Taking Pictures. Yeah. Uh, the space you had to shoot them in, what's running through your head, the attitude of the subject, good and bad. Uh, okay. Um, can, can you do this relatively quickly? Well, I, yeah, cute. Uh, yeah, <laughs> but you know what? The, 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 the problem with this is that I, I talk to my subjects a lot and I will at times get my subjects talking about things that are very personal. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Just cause to, to try to get the, break them out of their shell a little bit. Um, and those things are, I, I tend to consider, um, privileged conversation as it were, yeah. like, you know, yeah. There's a trust involved there, so I don't talk a lot about what I talk about with those people. Um, but they okay. end up being much more therapy sessions than photographic sessions at times. Um, what, what about the but, spaces? But, but, yeah, but I was going to say, but I can't answer the other stuff. There are a lot of times when I have to go take pictures of people in places that you would never want to take pictures of people. <laughs> you, you, you've shown me like behind-the-scenes stuff of like really like crappy hallways or yeah. like – what amounts to a coat closet basically yeah, and, 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 they're, and they're like here shoot here yeah it's funny like especially if you're going to shoot some business guy like i used to do a lot of work for for business week and and you'd go okay we're going to shoot joe schmo you know executive ceo guy right and you go in and and it's it's some office that hasn't been redesigned in 20 years and the carpet you know it's all overhead fluorescent lighting and everything looks the same, and it's those cubicles with yep. the with the fabric on the outside. You know what I'm talking about? You know yep. that like, yep. and and you're looking around, and you're just like everything is just beige, and there's nothing wasn't, on wasn't, the walls. Wasn't there some horrible conference room that you had to shoot in not long long ago? Yes, you were telling yep. me about. In fact, you know, I could probably put a behind the scenes thing for that up on the thing. I'll put a note in the show notes. Let me okay. just remind myself. Um, uh, uh, yeah, let's, let's say share BTS. Okay. Um, my, my problem. So, so in those situations, a lot of times it becomes a matter of finding a way to take the, 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 uh, the, the, the place out of the equation, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so, in so this, bec- the, the, the environment becomes more nondescript. Yeah. Yeah. Where it's like, okay, well let me find a nice wall that I could use as a background and then I'll make my own light and I'll find a decent chair somewhere and I'll go scavenging around this particular place. They were closing the office soon after I was taking the picture of this guy. Uh, like they were moving out and it hadn't been redone in years and there, they owned the whole floor and there were six people working there Mm. because they were like basically emptying out. Right. And there was just nothing. There was no place to shoot that looked at all appetizing. It was just awful. And so I just, you know, I found a corner and turned it into like a little studio for myself, you know, set up a big soft lighter and, you know, put it over the top and, you know, tried some, a few different things and, you know, it worked. So there's a lot of that. And in those situations, what's running through my head is terror, right? I'm just like, Oh, how the hell am I going to do this? You know, the guy's coming in in 15 minutes and I got to make something work. Now I know I can make something work, 
but how do I make something that doesn't look like everything else that I've ever shot? Okay, well, I, you know, I could try a different lighting thing and, and I'll even stand up and try different poses and say, oh, I could have him do this or lean against this or, you know, whatever stupid things, you know, you come up with to make it try. Um, will, will will you uh, replace backgrounds? Like it, it, almost like will I bring stuff in to put up? No, in, in post. Like oh, sometimes like not like, editorial stuff. No, okay. I mean I, if there's Change something the really distracting, eh, I haven't. But I, you know, that's not a bad idea. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't want to do that much to them because I also like the idea of all right. Well, I I worked with what I I had and I made it. There's also a question of whether or not I I bring an assistant with me. Like some things I don't and some things I do. Some things I just go in with my little rolly case and, you know, maybe a Einstein over my shoulder and I, you know, I set up myself and I tear down myself because it's small little thing, you know, or, and there's something nice about, especially if it's just you and the subject and there isn't somebody else standing there holding a reflector or moving lights around. I would imagine the conversation is a lot more interesting. It is. And, 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 and I find that even though it's more of a pain in the neck and bad on my back, hauling it in myself, there's, there's an intimacy there. You don't get when there's other people around. There was a, um, one last quick story. I was, I was shooting a guy for, for CBS. It wasn't for CBS. It was for a magazine, but he was like the, the head lawyer guy for CBS, very successful guy makes, you know, $15 million a year or something like that last year. And he, he, I tell the story, right? Where I, I was on the CBS in, Nightly News like in set. The, in the recording. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You were on and the, it was with all beautiful. the overhead lights and yeah, whatnot. Yeah, the, the set was beautiful. And uh, I, I lit it all. I, I had it all lit with the lights that are on the set. Plus, I had uh, a little uh, uh, be, uh, um, a little gel, a warming gel, CTO gel over the the thing to, to so it was all tungsten balanced. And it worked well. But there were, you know, it was me and the three or four Teamster guys who had to be on set for me to be there plus two PR people, plus a guy who held the guy's coat, plus the makeup lady. And they're all standing behind me as I'm taking this guy's picture. And it's like, okay, how is this guy who never leaves his office probably supposed to get comfortable when there's eight people staring at him? You know, <laughs> right. It's it, there's it, and, and I don't have that much time and everything I'm trying to do to warm him up, which is, you know, sometimes tell stories of other people and, you know, right. this kind of stuff going nowhere. Yeah. You got the eight people behind you going, come on, can we move this along? Exactly. And I'm, you know, it's like, it's, you know, my sandwich is getting cold here. Funny enough. It actually (laughs) is a lot like, you know, like sex where it's like, okay, yeah. Okay. Was this fun? And then somebody's like, looks at the clock or something. And you're like, don't you ruined it. You know, like there was a moment here and it got lost because you know, like there's, and so sometimes that happens, uh, when they're in a crappy mood, I try to make jokes or talk to them about, you know, other people I've shot who were in crappy moods and sometimes that makes them laugh. You know, you, you try different stuff when they're in a good mood. It's easy. You know, I, I mean, I could go on forever, but I, I won't, but, but it happens, you know, uh, sometimes it really sucks and sometimes you have nowhere to shoot. And sometimes it's, you know, raining outside, but the people want pictures outside or the lights terrible. Cause it's one o'clock in the afternoon. Cause it's the only time you can shoot. And then it's like, well, you know, I can't, block off a block of Manhattan with lights to make this look like an Annie Leibovitz (laughs) thing. I got to make do with what I can do because I don't have the rights to do that, you know? Right. So anyway, whatever. Uh, Derek asked another another one. Uh, what What was was the process of setting up 365 portraits and what obstacles did you encounter? Uh, mostly the annoying things were trying to book a person a day. Yeah. That was the annoying thing. And then, and then booking P I had people booked, you know, 
week out, two weeks out, three weeks out. And then there'd be like a whole, you know, a week and a half later. And I tried to find somebody. Um, the worst is when somebody canceled on the day of, and it's like, don't you understand I'm doing one a day and I'm scheduling one person a day. So if you cancel, right. that screws me, you know? Right. Right. Um, and in those cases I'd have to go find somebody. So either a friend or walk around on the street and find somebody. And there are a handful of them in there that are like that. But I didn't like doing those as much because even if the person said yes, they weren't going to give me the kind of time and attention I would have gotten from somebody who had contacted me to do it, you know? Sure. Um, so that was the logistics were the biggest problem. Uh, and then I was traveling a lot cause I was dating that girl in England. So I was going over visiting Andrea a lot. So it's like, I have to shoot before I get on the plane and I got to shoot when I get off the plane. And you know, we were, I was uh, traveling out West and shooting people on trips and whatever. Uh, Freddie Clark. Oh boy. Uh, how would you recommend someone approach working to find their own artistic style? Mm. Is there an answer to that? I th- I think there is. Um, I, I think you find you find a style that 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 kind of clicks with you. You find several, ideally, several artists or writers or photographers that whose work clicks with you, and and use that as as sort of inspiration and fuel to to. F- further your own or to find your own. And, and maybe it's not, maybe you don't find a style consciously. Maybe finding a style is, is, is only in hindsight where you, you kind of look back over a body of work and go, Oh, okay. There are thematic similarities here. There are visual similarities. There are little hooks that I use that I find that I use over and over again. And that, that's my style, but to set out to deliberately, you know, okay, I want to cross process everything or I want to, you know, I don't want to use adverbs or I, I only want to shoot at night or, you know, I, I think those can be a little contrived. Yeah. I think that it has to happen organically or it's not going to happen. Uh, in my opinion. Um, mm-hmm. I, I don't know. It's, um, yeah, you could search for it, but it, it, that feels a lot like people who are searching for, for, a, for a spouse. Like I'm looking for a guy to marry or I'm looking for a girl who's going to be perfect. It's like, it doesn't work that way. You can't like set your goals and then go look for that person. Like that, that's never going to work out. It's, it's I don't gotta, know. I, I, see, I like with, 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 I'll stick to my artwork for a second. Yeah. There are certain people that I look at for inspiration. Um, Shepard yeah, Ferry, Cy Twombly, sure. uh, Rauschenberg, you know, these kinds of people. Using somebody like Monet or 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 even would send you, know, you in a different direction. It, it's it doesn't it's it's not really applicable. I can appreciate it for what it is, right? But if all you did was sit and mimic Cy Twombly, you wouldn't end up being you. You'd just be the guy who copies Cy Twombly. So there's obviously something else in there. Sure, we all have inspiration and in things we like, right? Yeah, I'm not saying you mimic them, but I I, I definitely think that that you can use other work as, as inspirational and, and aesthetic yeah. fuel to get you further down the, the uh, continuum. I, I agree, but I don't think that that is what ends up defining your style. I think, I think your style grows out of, it's like, it's like a step or two further down the road. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, like if, if you're, if you're still thinking about people you're trying to be like, then you're, then you're still sort of at the beginning of the journey. I feel like. Yeah, I could see that. I could see that. I'm not saying don't, I don't see, but I don't like to answer Freddie's question though. I don't know if that there's a, uh, 
I get, I mean, really, I mean, there's a, there's a question further down about, you know, your writing. It's like, I think the way to find your voice in writing is just to write a lot and see how you end up speaking, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know that there's any other shortcut or, or way to sort of juice the engine, you know? I see. I don't agree. I, I do think there is. I think that okay. looking, looking at the work that clicks with you, uh, whatever that may be, yeah, can help can help fuel the fire. Yeah, I, I think that looking at your own work and saying I like that, I don't like that, I want to go in that direction, sort of um, uh, culling the tree a little bit, pruning mm-hmm. pruning the tree, can help. Um, I don't know. It's it's hard. The question is, do you need one, or if it hasn't happened naturally, what's your rush? You know. Sure. It uh, is. Yeah. I think there is a lot of emphasis and weight put on uh, my style is going to sell my work. Right. And I, I don't know that that's really the case. Uh, good work. Good work is going to sell your work. Yeah. Not yeah. a particular style. Yeah. I don't think it hurts though. No, it doesn't hurt. Yeah. It's, and, and I think we, we, it would also warrant having a conversation about Freddie, what do you mean by style? Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. It, is is style a a visual aesthetic that you're talking about, or are you talking about some sort of of thematic vision? Yeah, or or, or a, 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 a a narrative, an, a larger narrative. I don't know, but I would want to have that conversation first. Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, Chris Corman. Wow. We got a lot of questions still. So yeah, there are, there are no bad photographs or are there? (laughs) Yes, there are. Uh, do we ultimately, and for practical reasons, use what sells quotes as the litmus test for what is good? What photographs possess the quality of goodness? Is it possible for one photograph to be more beautiful than any other photograph? Wow. This is a big question. Uh, if, uh, photographic beauty is not objective, why, do photography contests exist and why do we herald some photographers? Is it the person or their work? Okay. Well, let's just say that the first five questions are unanswerable. <laughs> I, oh, I don't think there well, are bad photographs. Oh no, no, no. Okay. The, the number two through 12, <laughs> uh, just, you know, what photographs possess the quality of good. I mean, this is, this is the question of art history and art analysis since day one. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, what gives, what makes something good? You know, that's a treatise as well. That, um, that gets us back to kind of the first question and, about the audience. Right. And people, and people will argue that for different reasons, why something is or is not, or could be, or would be, or, you know, um, right. I think that, I think that the part of the question that's interesting is if photographic beauty is not objective, why do photography contests exist? And the answer is to make money for the photography contests. Um, and why, why do we herald nice. something? Well, I, that is partially like, true. Why are there, why is there an awards season? Yeah. You know, it's like, what? Yeah. Uh, it, it, there is a certain amount of self-congratulatory backslapping. And then there's, you know, there's fashion in photography in the sense that, you know, somebody's work may be fantastic today, but useless tomorrow and then come back into favor. And it's like, well, sure. Their work didn't change. So, so the judges are changing and then, and then, okay, you're, you're, you're putting your stuff into a contest. Well, who are the judges and what kind of work do they like? And that doesn't mean that your work is bad. You know I mean? Right. As because I, you didn't win the contest doesn't mean you're, you're right. 
not as good as. Yeah. As I've said a number of times, I mean, I've shown my work to people and had one very well-known person say, Ooh, call, get rid of that picture out of your portfolio. And then the next person go, Oh, I really like that one. The right. same picture. So it's like, well, ugh, you know, if two people who are big photographers are saying that, then what the hell does the, you know, art buyer for TV guide know? You know, it's just somebody's opinion. It's, it's all very, very, very subjective. Yeah. And you can get analytical about it and, you know, put points down for, I give this a nine for creativity and whatever, but pff, what the hell does that mean? You know? Yeah. Uh, I, I think there are bad photographs, of course. Um, just as there are bad paintings and bad songs, like there's certain things that just don't work, right? You know, but of the ones that do work, ranking them in some way, you know, what are the top ten rock and roll songs of all time? Well, Rolling Stone will do it, but they're just going to put like a Rolling Stone at the top of the list for publicity reasons, you know? Yeah. Um, it doesn't. Everybody mean... knows it's Kung Fu fighting. Well, exactly. <laughs> you know. So I, do you have a better answer for that or I, this is a, I don't know that there, that there is a, a really cohesive answer for this. Um, the, the, why do we herald some photographers? Is it the person or their work? Of course it's, it's, it's the person often, not the work. Right. There, the photographers have become celebrities as much as celebrities have become celebrities. Um, and I think there are a number of photographers who don't get any recognition for really fantastic work. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, uh, gosh, do we ultimately, and for practical reasons, use what sells as a litmus test for what is good far too often? Yes. Is the answer to that question right, because it's a shorthand. Yeah. <laughs> if it's popular, well, it must be good. Right. Well, no. Right. Is Miley Cyrus going to be remembered 50 years from now? No, I, I hope not. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it'll be the song in a jukebox 20, you know, 50 years from now, but it's not yeah. going to be, she's not going to be remembered for the artistry that was something that pushed <laughs> music forward, you know? And so it's, you know, and, and good for her. She's making lots of money, but I, I don't know. Yeah. I don't think there's a good answer to this. Well, okay. Derek's got another question. Derek. This is the problem question, with putting it in the group. Question uh, hog. During a recent mini holiday, I came to the realization that I'm struggling to sometimes turn off the part of my brain that is wanting to be creative and, or, want to record the moment with a photograph. While this may sound like blasphemy, I don't think it's blasphemy at all. Uh, sometimes I just want to enjoy what I'm doing without thinking how to compose a photograph. Any advice? Uh, yeah, don't bring your camera everywhere. <laughs> yeah, but you're still thinking about it. Yeah, I, I think that it's, that's... He's not talking about the action of taking photographs. He's talking about it's turning true. off that part of his brain. It's true. Uh, I don't think that it's blasphemy to, to, to not want to think about taking yeah. pictures all the time. Derek, I think, if you figure out how to turn off that part of your brain, would you email me? <laughs> I, look, I, you know, I like enjoying just what I'm doing, which is why I don't, I mean, when I travel, I don't take that many pictures because it's like, well, I'm spending time with Conrad. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm at yeah. the Vatican. I don't need to, I'm looking at the Sistine ceiling. I don't need to take pictures. You know, I know what the Sistine ceiling looks like. There are pictures of it elsewhere. Um, you don't find it hard to turn off. Um, I think that's one of the advantages of the kinds of stuff that I do take pictures of where it's like, you know, I'm sitting down with somebody, I'm taking pictures. It means that I'm not always taking pictures. You know, I'm sort of like, I'm turning that switch on to go do it right now. Do I look at people? Do I see people if we're out to dinner with, you know, some new couple and the guy's really cool looking and I'll be like, oh man, I want to take pictures of that guy. Yeah. But I'm not like 
thinking about how the light is hitting his face right now at the restaurant. Mm-hmm. You know, that it, I, I just, that doesn't interest me, but that's, but again, that's, I like not shooting sometimes. So for me, it's not a problem, but I guess, I don't know what the answer to that is. I guess get mindful of when you do it and try to just say, you know what, I'm just going to put that aside and enjoy, you know, making these eggs or whatever it is that yeah. you're doing. I I find it difficult to turn off and have geez, since I was a kid. Yeah. See, mm-hmm. I have it difficult to turn off with music. Like I was saying earlier, you know, I listen to music and I'm listening to the music as, as far as like the, the playing goes and the orchestration and the sounds of the instruments and the recording. And like, I, I have a hard time turning that off. So maybe it is, maybe I just, didn't do photography early enough to get yeah. caught with that weird mind bug. I don't know. I, I, I think, I don't know. I, I've recently, I just bought a little synth. Yep. Uh, because I decided I wanted to do something, something else that was creative that didn't have anything to do with anything else. So it it could exist in its own little vacuum where I can just sit and plunk away on this thing without, without thoughts of, well, how can I monetize this? Or how can I, how can I get this out there? How can I do this? It's, it's for nothing but its own enjoyment. Yeah. And I'm hoping that that, you know, will, will allow me to kind of switch off that, that, that other part of, of my brain that, that seems to be always like a whirlwind. Just don't get too much into it or else you'll start doing it with that. No, I don't think I will. All right. It's too complicated. Uh, uh, Christopher in Tokyo, there's an audio question. Hi, Jeff Rendell. This is Christopher in Tokyo, longtime listener, first-time caller. My question is for both of you. Photographers, painters, chefs, writers, all artists have styles, themes, and certain processes they use to make their art. Let's call this their creative safe zone. How important is it for artists to step outside the safe zone? When was the last time you took a chance creatively? Did it work? What did you learn, if anything? Look forward to your answer. Take care. All right. So the question is, how important is it to step outside of your safe zone? And when you've done it, how did it go? Jeffrey uh, it's, it's very important. I wish I could do it more than I did. Um, we, we have talked several times about, sure. I personally, I've become a looker, not a leaper. And I'm working very hard to get back to that leaper yeah. mentality. I think, I think it's only when you step outside of your safe zone that you grow whether that's artistically or emotionally or physically or pretty much any way you can imagine it's when you step outside of those boundaries and push yourself in new directions that you grow. And, and if, if the goal is growth, then, then stepping outside of those safe zones is imperative. Uh, I agree, but there are times that you do it and you fall flat on your face. Sure. Um, and those, I mean, that's sort of the fear, right? Is that you're going to try something new and it's not going to work. Well, you know what? I've tried new stuff that hasn't worked, you know? Yeah. Uh, I took a picture last week that I thought was going to be really great and came out okay. And I've been thinking about ways to either fix it by adding elements in post or figuring out a way to reshoot it. Mm -hmm. And, or whether it's worth to do either because there's some other fundamental flaw in it. And it sucks because it was a pain to set up and I did a lot of work to get it and I put it together and it's like, yeah, that's not good enough. 
You yeah. Know? And 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 when Conrad comes home and she looks at my she looks at something and she goes, "Yeah, it's not quite there yet, is it?" And I go, "Damn it." You know, yeah, like yeah. if she says that, that's bad. Would would you, know? you would you put these corner shots, are they a distraction? Are they outside your safe zone? How do you quantify w- what this is? Oh, I know those you've are, talked about that's them as a whole other thing. Um, uh, it w- that the thing I'm talking about was not one of those. Um, right, right, no, no. But um, I see them as uh, cardio. You know, I see them as uh, a chance to pull people in and try this thing out. I I like the intimacy of it. I like the ones I did last week. Where I started using this like gridded beauty dish and it's sort of a little more um like tightly focused. Mm-hmm. Uh I think they're I think they're good. I'm try uh I, you know what it is? It's um they are a way for me to try out new ways of taking pictures or or using lights in a slightly different way so that when I go into that guy's office, mm-hmm. I have more tools in my tool chest. That's what okay. they're for. Sure. Um sure. They're, they're just there. It's, it's more, I have one light or maybe two lights and, and I have this person who has this kind of face or this kind of whatever. Um, uh, you know, you know what I mean? Like, but, but I, you know, I, I want to see what I can do with that so that I, so that when, when nothing's working, I have other stuff I can try, mm-hmm. you know, that's kind of what it is. Okay. Um, Lorna, right, uh, Lorna, you can't do them all. Damn it. Oh, I'm just sorry. Did I read the last down. one? Yes, you did. Oh, so sorry. Just go ahead. Settle down. Just cool your jets, mister. You know, while you read this one, I'm going to go grab a bottle of water out of the fridge. Oh, you're not my, even going to listen to me read it. My throat I is see killing how it is. me. Ugh. I'll be right Let's back. Pa- go ahead. Let's All pause right. for a moment while Bill gets water. All right. <laughs> Don't go away, folks. He'll be right back. He's such a dandy. Uh, all, right, all right, next question. Lorna Tanzi, do you design or cartoon your photos before you take them? Do you visualize them in some way first or just go with what you see in the moment? First of all, what a great name, Lorna Tanzi. Yep. That's a cool name. Um, I sometimes sketch them out on paper, but I am a terrible, terrible, terrible artist. They look like... Um, they look like a joke. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh, so I sketch them out and it's lots of circles and, and twig stuff and, you know, circles and twigs. It, it kind of, it, <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, it, it is kind of that way. Um, so for me, um, I don't do it in such a way that I can actually use that to show somebody, but if I'm like, oh, I'm thinking a guy over here and the light coming from this direction and it's all very, very, very you so know, you, rough. You couldn't do the whole Joe McNally whiteboard diagramming out your scene very well. Uh, yeah, but he's not a very good artist either, is he? Uh, no, no. I, I can do that kind of thing, but I, but it's not like I'm illustrating what I'm planning on doing. Right. But you're, a lot of not, times you're I just... You're not storyboarding it out. Mm-mm. Although sometimes I, <laughs> sometimes I do in my head. Right. Uh, and that actually works. Um, that actually works rather well uh, uh, most of the time. Um, where it's you know it's like I I see something and maybe I'll take a picture as like sort of like okay that's where I want to do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, hmm. a lot of times you you don't know what the space is like until you get there. 
Uh, so true. A lot of your job is is sort of on the fly. You know? uh, true. I would imagine you've got to you've got to have a couple sort of go to setups that'll work in multiple types of environments. Uh, absolutely. And but but I mean but for like the really um, what's it called the the more scripted stuff that I do. Yeah. Sometimes I mean I know I know what I want, but I don't I can't draw it just because mm-hmm. I'm a terrible artist. Um, so yeah, I do. And sometimes I'll write lighting diagrams just to explain it to somebody who's helping me so that at least, Hey, now I know, you know, that what, what I'm trying to do here, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so that, I mean that, that, that totally works sometimes. Um, but generally no, just cause I'm really bad at it. Uh, I'm, <laughs> okay. I'm mentally doing it if not physically doing it, uh, right. but I, but I rarely go with what I see in the moment. Like I, I know what I want. I just am not very good at drawing it. Um, let's see. Next one is Lance Harshbarger. Harshbarger? Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. Uh, now that we're well over 1,100 members, what's your vision for the OTP Google Plus group? Well, let's ask Google what their vision for yeah. Google uh, Plus is. Personally, I would like to move the entire thing off of Google Plus onto a proper forum type platform like where things can, things can be threaded. Things can be a tra- more of a traditional forum. Yeah, where, where some of those forms are really awful. Okay. I, I, no, I, I understand what you're saying. I'm just trying to figure out exactly how you would do it. I mean, you could do it with, you could do it. If you wanted to stick with, with a WordPress thing, you could do it with uh, BB press yeah. uh, or simple press or something. Or I, we can move it to a subreddit. Reddit's Reddit's an ugly pile of crap. It is, but it's, it's you know it's ridiculous. Lots of people would find it. Well, yeah, not a fan. Um, but there, there's just no. It's just not. It's it's so. None not of these answers are great. Solution. Which is, I mean, the problem is the Google Plus actually works fairly well for what we need. Um, I I don't like it. I never have liked it. Oh, see, I do like it. It's it's horribly unorganized. It's just a big brain dump. There's no way to organize things very well. You can pin one thing, but then if you pin another thing, it destroys the pin of the first thing. Uh, it's just it's a ridiculous layout. It's it's horribly non-intuitive. Uh, okay, I think he's asking also more from the point of view of what do we do the people do the people in the group want marching orders or 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 are we trying to grow it? Are we trying to? I'd love to keep it going i just think once it gets to a uh, it's somewhat self-sustaining as it is I yeah mean, these people are having conversations all day everything. long it's it's hard to oh, keep absolutely. track of, of of threads and conversations well it's getting to this the, the problem with that though is that it's at that size where it's you know it's 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 taking a life of its own and you also can't follow it forever you know what I mean? Like, like it's, it's kind of like Twitter where, you know, some of the stuff has to go by. Right. You know? Yeah. But I, I would even love the ability to follow a particular thread or conversation and you can't do it. Hmm. That's a basic, like a, a, a basic functional, you know, sort of paradigm for, for that this thing should have had from the very beginning. And for whatever reason, it's just not built into it. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, but I don't know what to, uh, what to do. Uh, I, I, mean, I think I, that moving it would be good, but I think you'd lose a lot of people in the translation. Yeah. And then, you know, what new features would that offer people that would make it that much better? I, it's tough. It's a good question, but I, I don't know that there's a good answer. If anybody's got 
suggestions, then shoot them over. Podcast at ontakingpictures.com. Bobby Tingle. Not Bobby Tingle. Oh, Bobby. Thoughts on using manual lenses on modern cameras for shooting weddings and events. Okay, that's, I wonder why relegated. Yeah, specifically for just weddings and events. Uh, I love manual lenses, personally. Yeah, I'm fine with manual lenses. Uh, I I don't have, I don't, however, look at lenses for an old Canon, you know, FD mount or whatever it is and think, oh, I, I really want to take that and put it on my 5D because I'm going to get these wonderful pictures out of it. It's like, well, you know, I have really good 50 millimeter lenses now that I can put in manual mode. You know what I mean? Like that, I like the physical feel of them, mm-hmm. but I don't think that there's some great artistic advantage unless they are flawed on purpose, like a lens baby kind of thing, you know? Right. Um, I, I will say I do not like the focus by wire manual focus system of Fujifilm cameras. Uh, I agree. And actually that's true of a handful of like the, uh, the, the 85 one, two is fly is focused by wire. Is it? I don't like it. I, I would rather <laughs> physically be turning the lens barrel. Yeah, well, I think the problem is, is that in certain things like that one too, it's just it's physically not possible to gear the thing mm-hmm, <laughs> slow mm-hmm. enough to to make it useful. Um, I don't know why people would use it on weddings and events in the sense that if it is fast moving stuff, what is your advantage of using a manual lens? Sure, you know, um, I mean, if you really love the look of something, if the pictures that come out of it, or you like the way it feels to manually focus, and you like the way it slows you down and all that kind of stuff. Well, that's all great. You could also yeah, do that with an autofocus lens switched to manual. Maybe um, it's like, what's that brass lens that was uh, Pre- Pretzval? Is it Pre- Pre- oh, yeah, Pretzval? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Pretzval? Yep, yep, yep. That has the, sort of sort of a, a, a unique uh, aberration characteristics to it that, that you just can't find on other lenses. You know, yeah, could be. That I, I, I could see. But yeah, to your point, I mean, if you've got a, a, an 85 one two stick it in manual mode and call it a day. Yeah. Yeah. Um, let's see. Char Davies. Oh, this is a guy who yelled at us the other day. He didn't yell. He just said we went on a little, little far on. He, on he said he wanted to reach through his podcasting app and slap <laughs> us in the face. Slap us around. Uh, what he five was talking, to he wasn't talking to me. and only five <laughs> photographers would you absolutely insist a photo newbie study to help oh, them Jesus. get their photo juices amped and flowing. Five. Now, all within across all genres. Okay, five. Okay, Brisson. Yes. Uh. Okay. Fair enough. What, wait, why don't we choose the five? Like it's okay. five for the two of us. I'm fine with Brisson. I'm fine with Avedon. No, I don't want yours. You can choose your own. Okay, fine. Uh, I would go Brisson, Avedon, um, either Joseph Kudelka or James Nashway. So you get some photojournalism in there. Uh, Eggleston, hmm, and maybe Annie Leibovitz. Um, see, but then you then but then you miss out on Brasai and Ache and, ooh. yeah. I, maybe maybe I would switch out. I would switch out Brasson for Kurtesh, actually. Uh oh, interesting choice. Yeah. Uh, Ache. Karsh, Lighter, Avedon. Uh, Adams? Yeah, 
Douglas? Ansel's overdone, but <laughs> but I, I you know, I mean as far as landscape photography that makes you I mean, if you hadn't seen it before, it's really impressive stuff. Yeah, or Weston. Yep, sure. See, we could go on forever. So I guess you have our five. That's a tough one. Yeah, yeah, that's a tough one. Uh John Jennings, what recommendations hey, do you hey, hey, what? hey, hey. You're still going? Switch, 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 switch. You don't get it. Oh, did I read that last one? I'm so out of juice. Go ahead, John Jennings. Jeez. Jeez. (laughs) I'm getting punchy an hour and 77 minutes in. Uh, uh, What recommendation? Is it really? No, I have no idea. Okay. Uh, What recommendations do you have for photography education, intermediate and above? What format do you feel works best? Uh, traditional classroom courses, one-day workshops, video tutorials, online classes, field clinics, etc. Man, that depends on you. Depends on the type of learner you are. Some <laughs> yeah. people are auditory learners. Some people are visual learners. Some, some people, people are autodidacts. Yeah, it, it really depends. Uh, if, if it's video, you can't do much better than Carl Taylor. End of story for me. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, his, his video was good that I saw. Uh, I, watching people do shooting stuff, uh, I, I, the most I've, I learned a lot back in the day. It was like before YouTube, when I started taking pictures. So it was, it was just sort of, you know, when you get in that mode where you come into a new subject and you sort of devour every magazine. Sure. And even though every once once a year is the top five 50 millimeter lenses you could use, whatever it is, you still pick up all kinds of stuff. If you just sort of just chew through stuff for a year or two, right? You start noticing the patterns of stuff and that kind of thing. I think that was useful for me and just shooting a lot was useful for me. I mean, if you're trying to learn a specific technique or tutorial, you know, a very specific technique, that's great. You know, the other day I was watching a lot of stuff on flern.com mm-hmm. for Photoshop stuff. And they have a few pages of free Photoshop videos you can watch. And they were actually all really good. I liked the guy. He knows what he's talking about. And he doesn't talk to you like you're an idiot. Um, so for me, I've done a couple workshops. Uh, I don't personally buy or watch a lot of like shooting tutorials. Every once in a while, there's something in Photoshop that I'm like, oh, how do you do that again? Or, 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 oh, I need to do this weird thing. Somebody must have figured it out. Like when I had to do the clouds for that failure thing the other day. Um, but some people really like the clinics. I think that shooting one-on-one with somebody, becoming friends with a shooter who's better than you or knows more than you do, and just go shooting with them sort of one-on-one if you can, would probably help because then you're picking up what they're doing, that kind of thing. Um, more so than like the big, you know, thousand people yeah. kind of McNally workshop. Yeah. Like things. I've, I've listened to McNally talk and it's fine. And he answers the questions, but he's answering the same 10 questions all the time. You know, mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. kind of like, well, if you've watched him ever speak, you've heard the answer to this question. So why are you asking that question again? You know? Sure. Uh, so yeah, I don't know. It's, it's interesting for me. It's just a lot of doing for some people. It's a lot of watching for me, unless I'm doing it with my own hands. It doesn't, it doesn't stick. Sure. Uh, next okay. one. Yep. How are we doing on time? We okay? We're fine. Okay. Uh, Carl Honorado. 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 The third. <laughs> Excuse me. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Jeez. Yeah. Uh, your highness. Um, 
<laughs> uh, if, does it harm? If it a, please the court, yeah. I will, yeah. <laughs> does it? <laughs> do I have to kiss the ring first or after? Um, I've never done this before. Uh, does it harm a lens to store it on its end, lens cap down, cap on in a camera bag? I'm concerned that the part of the lens that I use for IS is damaged by having all the weight on it. Uh, I have a hard-sided camera bag, and it rides in my truck 24-7. Well, could you flip it over if you're concerned about it? Um, well, is is there a difference in storing them barrel on the barrel versus on one of the ends? If it's in his truck and it's, like, banging away at it, maybe stuff will get out of joint in there. But I don't think it would make a difference on which end you hold it. I I use mostly primes. I have one zoom, and the one zoom I have doesn't. If I, if I zoom it and tilt the camera down, it'll fall by gravity. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. there is gravity involved in these things. But a lot of the stuff he's talking about is all this internal stuff. I mean, if he's using – the lens he's using IS is damaged. So it's probably like a you know a 70 to 200 whatever with IS. Like those things are built like tanks. Mm-hmm. If, if he has d- done damage and had to get it fixed and he's wondering why it got damaged, I guess there's a question. But – you know, I, I don't know if, if there's somebody who's a listener who worked at a repair facility or something like that who can answer this question. I don't I don't know that there's that much of a difference. Uh, I tend to store mine uh, back body cap side down, mm-hmm. you know, front. So front up, front up. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's, you know, just because they look cooler that way. Although they're probably less stable that way. <laughs> so when you when you open your bag, you can marvel at your collection of glass. <laughs> Yeah, I don't. Yeah, you know, I don't know. Um, so I don't know that there's anything specifically wrong with that. You know. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. I, I I have no idea. I I only have one lens, so and uh, it's always on the camera. <laughs> Alan Bailward, Jeffrey, do you? Uh, how does one get better at writing? Do you have a uh, you have a way with you have a way you have a way with words, sir? What? <laughs> what? It's like this. It's like this scene is super bad. Yeah, she what? totally wants to. Look, what? Um, <laughs> uh, is there a regimen you follow? Is it just finding something you love and writing about it? Sit down and push the train. Um, I, writing is something I have been consciously working at for years. Uh, I read a lot by other writers on on writing. Uh, I mean, I read a lot anyway. I read a lot of fiction and nonfiction, but I read a lot of, about writing from other people, whether it's Anne Lamott or, or uh, Stephen King or, or our, our, our go-to guy, Stephen Pressfield, or even Seth Godin to, to, to a large degree. Um, but it's like anything else. You just, you, 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 you write. I, there are writers that I really love the way they write, and I, I try and break down how they write. There's a, a sci-fi writer called William Gibson who uh, uh, is, is one of my favorite writers because he, he, he writes in a very stream of consciousness kind of way of, of, of structuring sentences. And I, and I like that. It, it, it resonates kind of with me. Um, he uh, famously wrote a book called Neuromancer um, in, gosh, I think. So you try it? to write like the people who's writing you like. I don't write like it. I, I, I like the way that that writing sounds. And I think maybe because of it, my own writing is a little less structured than, than, um, than it could be. Uh, I'm constantly working on trying to use correct punctuation. And if it's not correct, 
why isn't it correct? And, and, you know, where to use dashes versus semicolons still wrecks me a lot of times, but I, I have, you know, books that I look at because I want it to be grammatically correct. And I also want it to be interesting. Yeah. But who decides um, those rules? Oh, uh, some know. guy 120 years ago wrote some People book and far more learned than me. Yeah. Um, but I, you know, it's, it's work. It's like anything else. And yeah, I, I, I write a ton of things that nobody ever sees just for, but you also seem to have a certain talent for writing. I write the way I I speak, which is not a great writing. No, you're a great writer. You're a much better writer than me in a way that I will never be just because like, I don't, a, I don't care enough to write like you do. Like I I just, I don't have the patience to, and the Mm -hmm. attention to do it, but also I just, I've never been a great writer. It just yeah. never came easily to me. Um, so I think there's a certain amount of that as, as well in the Sure, equation. sure. Um, I, I, the other, I, I love it. I love writing. I mean, I've got notebooks full of things where I'll just, I'll, I'll find a topic or I'll pick a topic or I'll see something and I'll give myself an assignment to write about it. I just, I picture you like the Lester Bangs character that Philip Seymour Hoffman plays and whatever. He's just, you know, a little Robitussin and. Just effing right, you know. That's right. It's just, it. Just, That's just it. Eighteen pages on you know the the power of Coltrane and drivel yeah. just to just, write. Just right, <laughs> just right. That's all you do. Yeah. That's all you do. Yeah. Uh, so I hope and uh, yeah, sit down and push the train. Yeah, you just you just keep, keep writing. Doing. You're not going to get good at it by thinking about it. No, you just keep doing it. Uh, Bob Campbell asks: Is archival printing a concern when selling prints? And if so, how much of a concern and how far should one go with it? Paper, ink, other treatment, etc. Aren't pretty much all the modern inks pretty archival now? Yeah, even the even the modern um, uh, dye based inks are supposedly fairly archival if you use them on the right paper and blah 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 blah. Yeah. Um, the thing is, is that traditional. I mean, silver prints will last a long time, but. Traditional color C prints don't necessarily last a long time. You know, mm-hmm. They're not going to be around 100 years from now, or at least they're not going to look like they currently do 100 years from now. What's going to look better right now? Uh, uh, you got two equivalent prints, one from, let's say, Costco, okay, mm-hmm. and, uh, and a pigment print using uh, the, the oh, K-whatever the, inks. Oh, What's going to look better The Epson print will look way better in 100 years. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Um, so I, I use a pigment printer. Uh, I switched from using a dye printer to a pigment printer, uh, partially because I was going to start selling my prints and I didn't want earlier dye printers like dye printers from 10 years ago. I mean, if you didn't use the right inks and the right paper and whatever it is, I mean, it would be visibly faded in a year or two. You mm-hmm. know, um, mm-hmm. I had a, a picture of a lily pad that I took at a pond near my mother's house that I gave to her in a frame and she had it up. Uh, in in like the master bath of her old house, and uh, and I used to see it because it was right there above the toilet every time I went to pee, and it looked great. Like I always looked at it and be like, oh, that's still a nice picture, whatever it is. And then a few years later, after I got a pigment printer, um, uh, I I I printed out something else, and it was sort of similar. And she ended up moving the other one down and putting them together, and we couldn't do it because the one from the old printer, first of all, the, the, the color, it was the, the new one was way more neutral black and white than the, the okay. original one was, but was the, the original, original one, one more green. Yeah. It yeah. shifted. Yeah. And I don't know, maybe it was, maybe it was that way all the time or maybe it had shifted, but it, it didn't have the same look, you know, it wasn't mm-hmm. as, 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 in, as intense, like the blacks had softened and, 
Um, so I figure if someone's paying hundreds of dollars for one of my pictures, the least I can do is make sure that it lasts, you know? Yeah. Um, so, uh, but I don't, I don't use, um, if some people are really serious about it, they're going to use matte paper that's acid free, you know, they'll use like some hammer mule, whatever, you know, raw paper. I use coated papers. Um, I don't use acid free paper. So maybe my thing won't last 500 years, but it's not going to fade because the, the inks are going to fade. Um, uh, th- there's a point at which it just becomes silly. I don't spray my prints afterwards. I'm not, I'm not that crazy. Like so, some sort of UV protectant. Yeah. Some people are into that kind of thing. I mean, yeah, if they're under yeah. glass, you're better off. If they're under UV plexi, you're even better off, you know? Uh, but that's up to the person who frames. It. I don't generally sell prints framed. Uh, Tyler Grinstead. How do I start? Oh, this is the email we got this morning. Right. So Tyler likes shooting motocross. Am I getting that right? Yeah. Motorsports. Sure. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he takes what he thinks are good pictures from the stands. He would love to uh, be credentialed so he could go downstairs in the pit and shoot from there. But in order to get credentials, you have to have stuff published. But he's not allowed to publish the stuff from the stands because according to his ticket and the legalese, any pictures taken from the stands like can't be used for commercial purposes, blah, 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 blah. Correct? Yes. So he's saying, how do I get something published? I think that the better way to go might be to um, try to get in touch with some of the teams, like the drivers and the and the people like who do that kind of stuff. Yep, yep. And ask if you could go like shoot training runs and that kind of stuff, like practice stuff and get in tight with them. So the point comes where you want to shoot the competition. They probably know the promoters and the people who do that stuff and could say, Oh, we're having this guy come in to shoot. I don't know, some new thing for us, get him credentials. And then you become friends with the people there. And then it's, Oh, Hey, Tyler's coming today. You know, I think that's sort of the way to go rather than saying, I need to have my thing published in this motorsports thing so I can bring it to them and say, look at page 37. Now, can you give me credentials? Yeah. I I don't think that it work quite works that way. I, I used to work with a guy when I was, I was doing programming and I used to work with a guy who was a big NASCAR fan. Yeah. And he he did that exact thing. He made friends with somebody that was in one of the crews and was able to get him in on like practice days down in the pits. And he was able to get these great shots in 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 the 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 car areas of people working on the cars and, and, you know, drivers to and from their cars. And they were on the practice days. But I mean, unless you're. Like I didn't, I couldn't tell the difference of practice day versus real day because I'm not a, right. I, don't, I don't follow NASCAR, but he, he ended up getting access that way by just befriending, uh, uh, one of the crew people as a fan. Okay. So my, my suggestion is not outrageous. No, I don't think so. Okay. Yes. Yeah. So I, I think that's the way I would go. Um, that's a very specific thing, but I think, yeah, getting, I mean, and show them some of the pictures you've taken already and say, I'd really love to practice. Do you mind if I come by on Saturday when you guys are working, you know, on Tuesday when you're working on your whatever, you know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and if they say no, you ask somebody else or you find somebody who knows somebody on one of the teams and, you know, get an invite. This is definitely a networking thing more than it is a getting published thing. It seems to be. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'd be willing to bet, you know, um, let's see. Uh, okay. So last week, 
how the people do in the group. Uh, oh, wait, really, hold on a second. One more question wait. I have to answer. Okay. Uh, boxer briefs. Boxer briefs? What they is that? Boxer briefs. Oh. They're boxers, but they're tighter, so they, you know. Right. And somebody asked this. Freddie. Of course. Freddie. <laughs> uh, all right. How do people do why, in the group? Why, why, <laughs> why, why am I surprised? Why, why is that not surprising? <laughs> Freddie. Uh, oh, Freddie Clark. Wait, 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 wait. There was news about Freddie Clark, right? Oh, you have something in the show notes here. Oh, Freddie. Right. Freddie, Freddie kept, kept busting me on, on not doing hoodies. So now there are, there are hoodies in the, uh, in, in the, the little, the, the storefront there. You can buy hoodies if you want, uh, with, with the, the different cameras on them here. Let me, let me put this thing in the show notes. Uh, and in fact, if you spend 30 bucks through today, uh, you get 20% off. Use the coupon code summer 14. Okay. Uh, let me put that in there. Yeah, so suck it, Freddie Clark. There are now hoodies, which I think I think he I think he got one. You think uh, he already ordered one? I think he did. I think he did. Uh, a few people have. Okay, so uh, game time or play time? I, I kind of mixed it up. I said, oh, you know, if you want to use play time, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and man, there are some great. So Jason Peterson, fantastic photo of of uh, a, a sunset, kind of playing. Um, Really, uh, my favorite one. Oh, and I want to get the name right. It was a skateboarder, a black and white skateboarder. Uh, I want to get this right. Oh, oh, oh. Uh, Dwayne Christensen, great shot on the front of a kayak. Wish I could kayak. Uh, Cody Downs. I'm assuming that's your your son on a trampoline with like a fisheye lens. You see that one? Terrific wait, wait, hold shot. On. You wish you kayak. Oh, right. You've never seen the ocean. Yeah, I've seen the ocean. <laughs> <laughs> from afar. Uh, oh, Jeremy Bryant, uh, skaters in Venice. I love this picture. Guy I caught like midair. You, you were saying something about you, you ollie yesterday. Okay. Yeah, I did. Okay. I did a good too. That's I did a good. Yeah. I did a real good. Uh, so some really, really fun, uh, uh, stuff in, in game time and play time. So, so next one, it, we're getting towards the end kind of, of yeah. summer. So lazy days. Lazy days. What are you What are you doing on on your relaxation time? Uh, how do you just just shut it down, chill it out, laze it up? We want to see lazy days. Hmm. Okay. So you're gonna have to stop trying to get something done and just chill. All right. Lazy days. Lazy days. I like it. You know, like the lazy days of summer. I guess. Sure. Yeah. I think we have. going to say dog left. days, but you know. Hmm. <laughs> Then people are going to put pictures of their dogs. Yeah. Like, the, what's that one guy? What's that one guy doing that, that dog thing, that black oh, dog with thing? With the black dog. God forbid. It's like, dude. You know, there are, there are other colors, Fred. Yeah. Come on. Yeah. Jeez. <laughs> How about you actually put some light on them so we can see the dogs? <laughs> How about a white background? <laughs> you know, Avedon. Um nice those are lovely pictures though yeah they are all they jokes are. aside uh we good for the photographer of the week we ready for what do you that? what do you yeah i think what do you you got okay. anything else i th- i think i think we answered every question known to man yeah yeah there's a lot of questions maybe we missed one these are fun we got to do these once every couple months yeah uh okay so who, what do you photographer of the week michelle Cherovkov, who i talked about a little bit last week because i met him earlier in the week 
This is the guy that uh, 80s kind of photographer did like a lot of the stuff for Omni. Yeah. And in fact, there's a I, I put a link. Oh, look, there in it is. For there's what, a cover. That kind of stuff. Do you remember that kind of stuff? I do remember that. I subscribed to Omni magazine. Okay. Back in the day. He did all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Uh, but now in the past few years, he's gotten on. Basically, this this guy does um, reality with a twist is kind of how he how he likes to say. Um, so he's taking pictures of. Uh, in this case, taking a plant and shooting the flower and the stem and all this kind of stuff and making shoes out of them. Like that's, you know, making these like making shoes out of out of the parts of flowers. And yeah, plants. exactly. Yeah. And he was telling me that he like goes in and he he adds parts. He calls it shoe fleur is 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 is, is how he how, how, what he calls shoe it. Fleur. Yeah. And in fact, if you go into his website, if you go to Tarakoff dot com there, uh, yep. you see the link uh, and you go into still life. You'll see uh, lots of pictures, and he does he does stuff with uh, lots of fluids and that kind of stuff. But back in the day, he was a pr- he was a big practical guy where he would he would do it uh, for real, like you know. So he would he would get things shot and then put them on Duratrans and then invert that and get that printed out and actually have sticks going from the background to the stuff in the foreground so you don't see the stick but the thing looks like it's floating in space and right, then shoot okay. that like all this kind of practical effects stuff that you would now do in photoshop he used to do for real and now he does a lot of it in photoshop but he had boxes and boxes full of like fake ice cubes and you know like all that yeah. sort of crazy uh, stuff that nuts, still life does shoes. Yeah. wait but go into advertising still life and about halfway through there's He's a, using like ladies legs as the heels yeah. for these things uh, but go, go look at, go in the still life advertising. There's a picture about halfway through of a fellows company shredder fellows brand shredder where he's actually has the shredder shredding and it's really kind of neat looking. Right. Still life. Yeah. Still life advertising. And then you go like halfway through and you'll see the shredder. <laughs> it's just kind of neat looking. Oh, wow. That Isn't is kind of cool. That's kind of a cool idea, right? Yeah. Uh, and then he did, if you go further along, there's like dresses where he has, uh, all these flowers and stuff creating like these Asian women and like their kimonos and stuff. Oh yeah. Like the guys, the guy's got skills. Interesting. You know? um, yeah. Really great conceptual skills as uh, in addition to the technical skills. Yeah. And the, the shoe stuff is just nuts. Like, I mean the time it would take to make this stuff is, is really, it's really impressive and they're really well done. I saw prints of them and they just like pop off the page. Now, how, uh, how big are the prints and are they, are they on, what are they on? Are they on just regular paper? Are they on uh, metallic? Are they on he, aluminum? They were on regular paper. Uh, he has a big, uh, the, the, the sort of um, large scale, what's the 9600 version that Canon makes? You know, like one of those kinds of okay. things. Okay. In fact, probably kind of like what your, your buddy down the street has. Yep. Right. Um, in fact, he's like selling that 40, printer. What is it? 48 inch wide print. Yeah. Bag? One of those giant things. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Um, and so he, he prints them out on that. So they were, I don't know, like, uh, you know, wow, 24 neat. by you know, 18 by 24, like that kind of size, you know, big enough he's where you can get in on them. where he's making like fish and insects and all kinds yes, of, this the is insects, really neat. Yeah. They're they're The insects are really cool. Now, uh, do, do the insect pictures are really great, but do you, do you, are you able to look at them? Cause I know, I, I know get you the have heebie little, jeebies. Yeah. I know you have some trouble with looking at insects. <laughs> Shut up, man. <laughs> My dad was an insect. Um, yeah, the guy's got he's he's got crazy mad skills. I also like the hat one, the uh, chapeau de fleur. Yes, uh, are like oh just, wow, yeah, these are neat. Yeah, and I Where he's did, got a little sketch. Yeah, now does and, he do all the sketching as well? I think he does. 
And mm-hmm. I think one of the reasons why I like all this stuff is that it's very different. I mean, this is definitely like, wow, I haven't seen anything like that quite like that before, you know, yeah, it's very specialized, um, which, which is kind of cool. And, you know, he still gets called, even though he's closing his studio, you know, in the next month, he's sort of retiring from commercial work to do more of this flu. St- this shoe stuff is all just stuff for him. Uh, and is he selling prints of the world? Yeah, or? I think he sells yeah. prints and he's got a book and, you know, he's, he's very well connected and very, you know, uh, but, uh, very, very cool. And I'm, I'm, it's sad to me that he doesn't have the old stuff on here and I couldn't find any good web pages of his old stuff, which surprised me. I'll have to send him an email. Um, you, you said that la- I, I thought you said maybe last week he gave you a copy of one of his books. Yeah. He gave me a copy of his first book, which has all kinds of examples of the stuff that looks a lot like that Omni cover. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. it talks a little bit about, you know, the, the, the concept behind it and that kind of stuff. Um, but all those things were very practical. Like he was just like, you know, throwing balls up in the air and taking the picture, and, you know, right. like the sunset in the background is just a strobe with a yellow gel on it. You know, that kind of crazy stuff. Yeah. Um, so interesting work. Yeah, totally. Really, really odd stuff. And a guy who's been around for like 30, 40 years. I, I'm also going to put a link in the show notes to a Vimeo video, which, uh, talks about, the uh the shoe stuff actually this is not the correct video but how do you I say his name video Ch- Cher- Cherikov? i think it's cherovkov Cherov- cherovkov yeah cherovkov uh and uh and he's you know he's just one of those guys he was he was a total sweetheart and i personally had never seen his recent work or at least i didn't know him by name but now that i see his work i go oh yeah yeah that guy you know yeah um, it's really nice work yeah really nice work. and uh, uh stuff for uh for something different something a yeah. little different uh, but, uh, I think that's, uh, I think that's about it. Uh, mm. it, it anybody has any questions or answers? <laughs> oh yeah. Uh, podcast at ontakingpictures.com. Yep. Uh, Bill tweets at Bill Wadman. Yep. Uh, I tweeted Jeffrey Sidoris. Um, what else? Um, I think. That. I'm going to send you, there was a story that I saw a couple of weeks ago about these giant hornets in Asia. Uh, I mean, they, they were leaving like, like quarter size holes in people from the sting. That is freaky. <laughs> See, the thing is like bees sting you because they're trying to protect themselves because they're like doing their little vegetarian work. Wasps and hornets are actually like carnivores <laughs> who are flying around looking for other bugs that they can like eat. So they see, they see six foot bill and they go, I can take him. <laughs> I like kind of deal with that one. Uh, hey, uh, one other thing, I got I got a book in the mail oh, yesterday, uh, which is the uh, is going to be uh, our sponsor for the next couple of weeks. Uh, what do you got? I'm having them get you one too. Well, okay, uh, but but, but oh, I'm just going to tease it a little bit. So Aww, I get yeah. a book and I don't even know what it is. Yeah, well, you're going to uh, like it. Am I? Yeah, I think you'll right. like it. Um, uh, it's, it's right up your alley. Oh, all right. I like that. <laughs> it's a book called right up your alley. <laughs> it's a pictures of dumpsters in an alley. <laughs> oh, genius. I'm taking that. Oh, I'm taking, I'm writing it down. Right. Uh, I'm so taking that. Shut it. Shut it. Bill didn't say that. That was me. That was me. <laughs> Uh, all right bye everyone we'll talk to you later all right see ya (laughs) oh that's genius right up your alley oh my god
Say what you wanna say. I know what you will say. Will. You- 